To all who come to this ragged place, welcome. And since you're here, why don't we start the show today? We've got Jack, a.k.a. Info Czar. He is a magician. He is a Twitch streamer. He is a Twitch streamer who streams magic on Twitch. Uh, awesome, awesome individual. This is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had in this podcast. It is also one of the longest conversations I have ever had on this podcast. It may be the number one longest episode. Um, we also have another first, which is he does some magic on the stream. Now look, if if it's a bit long for you and you just want to see the trick, you can skip to the end. But I warn you, if you do that, you miss some of the context of the trick because this guy's such a great magician that one thing does relate to the other. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, take it in chunks, which is a thing we talk about. We actually talked about the interesting trajectory of his life, which is Crazy cool. Uh, really interesting person. Great perspective on a lot of things. I suggest you listen to this in whatever way that you can. <laughs> now, here's the thing. This is the ragged world. It's an adult conversation, baby. So your virgin ears may hear something you didn't expect, and don't let that throw you. Look, this is all you really need to know to get into this episode. So without further ado, Jack Infozar, Ragged World, let's go. It's on. It's on. We'll call it on right now. So it's on. <laughs> it's on. Uh, the red so light is on. The red, red light, light is on. on. We're ready to rock. So look, Jack, aka Infozar. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate sure. it very, very much. Um, I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. Um, so you know what? Why don't I start? Well, we were just talking about decks of cards. You're a magician. Yeah. I know you because of doing magic on Twitch. Uh, you know, after I started my stream, I started to find all these amazing people. You're one of the first ones, uh, that I, that I ran into. I was lucky to do so, I find. And, um, okay. how did, so, uh, I'll, I, we can always start at the beginning with the, who are you? What do you do? And all that kind of stuff. But we were just talking about cards, your Hellion cards. I'm going to ask a dumb question to start just to get it out of the way. Cause I'll probably ask sure. you a lot of dumb questions. Um, and this, we might as well get there. You're a magician. You got a lot of cards. Oh yeah. Around how many decks of cards do you have? If I had to just totally guess, because I don't keep an inventory like, or anything. Randomly, like approximately, yeah. how many decks do you think you got floating around? I would think a conservative estimate would probably be 250. Wow. 250. Floating That's around. amazing. I mean, let me just do, let me do like a back of the envelope thing. Just right here. Uh... There's about 50 right off camera Whoa. on the desk right here. <laughs> There's probably another 50 down here because they don't fit up here anymore. We got to 100. Maybe more, actually. There's a couple of bricks behind me, a brick of cards. You, you, when you buy a lot of cards, uh, you can buy them in a brick, which is 12 decks 12 in a box. So, um, a couple more bricks. So it's something like 230, 240 already. Oh no, what one forty? Yeah, maybe. So, so when you buy a, a brick of cards, this is what you get. United States Playing Card so Company. It's just like this is a mixed brick. Cohorts. So, like I really liked these these uh, racing green cohorts. They were on sale. Racing cards green. are expensive. When they go on sale, I'll buy I'll buy a brick. You know, but uh, yeah, it's it's a problem. I'm kind of out of control. Uh, I don't collect them, but if like special cards come out and they cost twenty bucks a deck. And I know they're going to sell out because there are collectors. There are plenty of people who collect playing cards. And like, okay, so like when the new 
when the new Noctobers came out for Halloween, uh, they glow under black light. They're super cool. You know, they were like $15 a deck. You could save a little if you bought a bunch together, but I knew these were going to sell out. There was yeah. no question. And I also knew I wanted one for me and I knew I wanted to be able to give some away on stream. And so I bought them as soon as the announcement came out. I was like, all right, I'm just, I, I was out somewhere. I like put, put an order in on my phone. Um, and I was lucky to get what I got, but I, am not the person who gets the cards and then never opens them, you know, keeps them mint and then sells them on eBay or anything like that. I just like cards. I love playing cards. So I'm always tearing them open. I'll often buy two decks. So it's the one to mess with and the one to save to mess with another day. Mm. Um, but I always feel it's like when you buy stickers, you know, it's like, you don't want to put it on something because <laughs> now you can't put it on something else you've used it you know so i i'm yeah i'll get like a bunch of the same deck and i'm i'm sure there thinking are some tricks. Someday. yeah sorry you, you said you're thinking someday you might use them yeah yeah you never know you never know so you know these black hellions i'm not even all that fond of them but i, I probably have like six of these i just opened this one the other day because i couldn't find the the red ones that i wanted to use uh, well I'm i should get organized there. I'm assuming there are some decks, like some tricks that you do that require you to have a completely unopened pack at some point or another, right? It can be helpful. Um, certainly there are some tricks where it's a lot more impressive if you start with a sealed deck mm -hmm. because then people know that, you know, like if you're in person, you can just hand a sealed deck to somebody and have them open it and take it out and shuffle it. And then it's a, you know, it's a convincer that, you know, there's nothing funny about the deck itself. Uh, you can't do that on Twitch, sadly. Um, people either have to trust me or, you know, there's always that thing. There's a lot of magic theory about as soon as somebody has some where to go of, well, it must have been this. It's not as impressive. You know, there, you don't get that feeling of being a kid again and anything is possible, which is kind of what you're shooting for with a magic trick, right? Yeah. It's to get somebody's brain back to being five, and just being like, what, you know, um, just not knowing, having kind of an innocence. Right. So it's the kind of thing that doesn't really work across this kind of gulf because I can't let you shuffle the cards. You know, mm -hmm. I can't let you open a brand new deck. It's never going to be as impressive, but it can be impressive enough, you know, and I enjoy doing it and I don't have anybody else to watch. So it's it's really good for me um to be able to just pop on a twitch and yeah. mess with some stuff that i've been working with and um you know people will like it or they don't like it i'll get good feedback and um sometimes it's really impressive sometimes you know things just work great and people don't have that escape route of well it must have been a camera trick or it must have been you know like every once in a while everything just clicks perfectly and it's a good I've day I've been having a blast on your stream, honestly, from the, I, I try to catch it every single time I can, um, because like a couple of the ones that really, really struck me are oftentimes the elaborate ones. I like when there's a, a bit of a story, um, you have an aliens trick you did for, uh, the Halloween <laughs> season. Amazing. Uh, that was really fun. Yeah. Surprising. Uh, also, uh, some of the serial killer, uh, tricks, <laughs> which yeah. I obviously, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> seem to have enjoyed a lot, uh, 
took liberties a little bit with my shout out for you on on Twitch there. But yeah, uh, fine with me. I have no problem with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of times uh, what I'm doing is, and, and most magicians do this. You know, there, there's a there's a corpus of existing classic tricks, and then there's people creating new stuff all the time. But it's always it's a lot like academia. Uh, I've never seen anything like it other than academia. Hmm. Magicians are obsessed about giving credit for you know what they're using as they're building their new routines because nothing is ever completely new you know so if you um read a book you know not not mass market magic books where you can go to you know a random bookseller and just like get a mass market book or get something on amazon but books that are written by magicians for magicians and are generally not available through normal channels the crediting is um it's intense it's something you don't find outside of like a university setting where it's like this specific move uh probably originated in 1946 from you know this guy published in this journal and you know, it really is um it's expected that if you create something new and put it out there that you state you know, what your influences were and all the pieces that you collected and put together, where did that come from and so on. Hmm. Uh, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating group of people. Magicians so, are really odd that way. Why do you think that is? Is it uh, curiosity or is it like a, some, something about the fact that uh, it's kind of difficult to have thought of something like that to begin with? Being that this, this sort of, I, I do find that magic a lot of times is it, you, you're getting someone to really believe that a thing that's impossible just happened and also hiding what actually happened um but you somebody has to you have to come up with a way somebody somewhere along the line has to come up with a way do you, do, do you think right. that has something to do with it or wh why do you think yeah it, it's definitely that it's also there's um if you do happen to come up with something that is original you don't want somebody else ripping it off you know so it, it's very much a, a self-policed community in that sense you know mm. like if I come up with something new and I put it out there and it actually kind of, it kind of happened to me, but uh, the assumption is that people are coming up, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, what was it? Leibniz and Newton, right? They both independently came up with calculus oh. and no, you know, no, you know, you build on what other, you know, the, all the math that came before, <laughs> you know, you can kind of figure out, Oh, actually, you know, and, and it keeps going. So, uh, something came out, fairly recently that used something that was in one of the first tricks I ever released. And it was very, very specific. I mean, it was exactly the same thing was being done in the exact same way. And it seemed like at first I'm like, that might be too much of a coincidence, but you know, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. It was just a matter of independent uh, discovery. You know, we both mm -hmm. came up with the same idea and that's cool. But yeah, generally speaking, um, I think magicians also know how bad it gets when you do have those disputes of somebody just came out with something they're selling and another magician is like, that is exactly the same as this thing that I published two years ago. And then, you know, it's back and forth, like ours is a little different and we weren't aware of yours and we're crediting you, but we're still selling it. And then the guy's like, well, if you're still selling it, you're making money off of my, idea. you know, and it just, it's, it's like, nobody likes that. Nobody enjoys these kind of weird tussles where people just have to get 
angry about things. You know, it's like we're, we're all in it to have fun. A lot of people are in it to make money, but those aren't mutually exclusive, hopefully. Um, hmm. I'm not in it to make money yet, but <laughs> no, no, not yet. <laughs> eventually. But I feel like that sounds a little bit like being a stand-up comedian in a way. You know, you could say like, oh, jokes. these similar yeah. premises are similar jokes. And it, it, yep. it again, you're subverting people's uh, expectations in a sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. well, this is how I subverted their expectations. And oh, you, you did the same thing. And I guess you could go yeah. back and forth on who got it first. I'll tell you with writing, it's like that. When I when I was writing comic books, I found that a, a lot of the ideas I would I would go and read a brand new comic that came out from like Jeff Lemire or something. And he had all these new, uh, the, this, 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 uh, story about, uh, androids and robots. And I was like, this is, this is everything I've been writing, <laughs> you know, and I know <laughs> he doesn't know it for sure. He doesn't yeah. know it, but they were so similar each, each step that would happen. And I was like, okay, we, we, maybe we grew up in similar ways and had similar influences yep. and that's what's going on here. I, I remember once I came up with a story that was, uh, okay, we're in, we're in the future and, uh, we, I have a person who's, um, who's disabled. They're in a wheelchair and they're going to be the best at putting their mind into this avatar. And then I went and saw avatar and I was like, well, I'm not writing, <laughs> I'm not writing this story. <laughs> it's yeah. over. I'm, I'm done with it. So I, I, I assume that kind of happens, but at the same time, somebody is probably a thief. Their thieves exist. So that must happen too. They absolutely do. And, you know, like in any other um, kind of business, I think there there are, you know, I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but there are uh, people who have reputations in magic as, as you know, people who are just, even uh, like a lot of what happens in, you know, people are like, well, how do you, how do you learn magic, you know? And it's like, well, you start uh, getting books out of the, out of the kids library, you know, it's just like, you can start super basic and once you know that kind of thing and magicians see that you're serious about it, then maybe they start letting you in on some of the other stuff, you know? And if you're lucky, maybe you find um, somebody who really takes you under their wing mm. and mentors you. And that's probably the best way to do it. I don't have a mentor. I'm just picking bits and pieces out wherever I can. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you do find out about, so one of the ways you do find out uh, about new magic and learn new things is lectures. Magicians will really? give lectures to other magicians. And, you know, you pay to attend the lecture, you pay to attend the conference at which the lecture is happening, and they'll show you what they've been working on. And, then, you know, and they decide, you know, every magician gets to decide uh, what they want to release to other people, whether for free or for sale, and what they're keeping for themselves because they want to keep being you know, it's my thing. I want to be the only person doing it for the next five years. And then maybe I'll release it for sale to other magicians to learn, or I'll teach it at lectures and so on. But, um, yeah, there, there are, there are magicians who are known for, you know, going on the lecture circuit and teaching other people's tricks without permission. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, and, and people in the audience are like, that's not yours. You, you should not be, you know, and they're like, Oh, whatever. You know? So there are people <laughs> who don't respect these boundaries. Um, and the boundaries are pliable in a sense, right? Mm. They're, they're kind of spongy because, you know, there's the classic thing. You're a little kid, you get the magic book out of the library and it's like, never tell anyone how the, how the trick is done. And yeah, but also, where do you draw that line? Like, mm. if you've got established magicians going on YouTube and teaching tricks on YouTube to anybody who wants to, you know, search for the trick, 
to to some degree that's totally fine but to another degree it's not like yeah, how do you uh, feel about that I, i'm very much ambivalent i i definitely <laughs> <I'm> feel <laughs> yeah i mean i agree very much that you don't get new magicians without that kind of thing happening true and you want new magicians you don't want the art form to just shrivel up and die um but at the same time it's a unique situation i think in that the art form ceases to function if everybody knows how the stuff is done it kills the art one way or the other if you're too if you keep it too close to the chest you know too close to the vest you don't have anybody new carrying on the tradition hmm. but if you expose it to everybody then there's no audience because if you know how the trick is done and i do the trick for you you're not entertained by it you don't get the sense of wonder that is the goal of a magic trick so you know uh, there there's a there's a magician who wrote an amazing <laughs> sort of speculative piece um that i loved which was kind of about the last spectator the last available spectator because the idea was you know magic was being exposed more and more on the internet you, you know you could watch magic and be like that was amazing and then go on and just search and be like oh okay now i know how it's done so magicians basically got together and paid to keep one person uh shielded from everything and so eventually every magician is only performing their magic for this one person wow that's the last spectator in existence <laughs> and you know it, obviously it's making a point this is satire that's making a point but I, I thought it was a clever way of of going about that so yeah it, it's it's a bell curve like anything else right if you're too far on one end or too far on the other end everything everything goes away you got to strike that happy medium and uh you want new people to be able to find out just enough to come into the community and start learning stuff from other magicians but you, not so much you don't you, have any guests any any spectators anymore <laughs> or well, that everybody's timers, too you know, oh yeah old timers but you know like a lot of the the people who have been doing magic for you know 50 years and such think well i i don't say a lot there are definitely magicians who think that the internet is the worst thing to ever happen to magic because people can just search for a trick and find out how it's done and again i'm ambivalent about that i feel like that's that is both a good thing and a bad thing there are plenty of people including people in my stream who say over and over again they're just there to get that sense of wonder the last thing they want to know is how is it done they don't mm. want to know you know they're never going to go looking and they're also angry when somebody in chat was like I think it's done this way you know they're like For don't sure. even talk about it. we don't want to know you know so we try to keep that out of the chat but generally speaking there's different kinds of people who watch magic like the, there are people who are not entertained by it other than as a puzzle it's just well how is it done i'm going to try to figure it out you know um and those people are generally not fun to perform to <laughs> because they're not really enjoying the performance they're just doing a puzzle and that's fine i don't have a problem with that but certainly if i'm performing live for a bunch of people if i spot that guy i'm probably not picking them as a spectator because there's no back and forth it, it just it dies on the vine it's a different know? intention coming from that person right you you want to pick so somebody hard. who's into it and, uh, because they're 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 playing along with the fantasy nobody believes that the magic is real <laughs> what and that's the point right <laughs> nobody goes to a play 
and believes that the actors are the characters. Nobody's believing that the guy who gets shot on stage in the play is actually dying. Yeah. But human brains are really good at empathizing with fictional layers of things. And so that's what, I mean, magic is exactly the same, right? Mm -hmm. You don't believe that I have special powers and I never try to make you think I have special powers, but we're all kind of playing into, it's like a play. My role is weird things are happening. And, you know, you can absorb that without literally thinking that magic is happening. That's amazing. You know, and, I, and that's, you know, I do wonder about that. I, I'm on the fence sometimes about learning it. I, I have a, I, I, I wouldn't say that I want to be a magician, but I do sometimes want to know how some of the tricks are done, but more yeah. on the thinking side of things, because I'm thinking like, okay, they, these guys who are doing illusions and, and tricks have to be thinking outside of the box in some way or another. And just having some access to that kind of thinking like, oh no, what's oh, impossible yeah. is actually possible, at least visually, um, I think is something, you know, I think it is something. Um, do you feel like uh, there's, what about magic do you feel like would be beneficial for for people to actually learn uh, or know um, that we maybe I don't am, realize? I, yeah. Yeah, I am definitely a, a huge believer that everybody would benefit by learning a little bit of magic uh, in many ways. And that's one of the reasons in my Twitch channel, if you're subscribed to my Twitch channel, um, one of the, the you know side benefits of that is in my Discord, there's a separate section that's only available to subscribers where you know, we can arrange a time, we'll meet up over a video chat and I'll teach you some beginner level magic. I think everybody would benefit from that. Many reasons. One, the most obvious is, um, you know, if you've got nieces or nephews, it's, a, <laughs> it's not a bad idea to have a couple of magic tricks. Uh, to pull. I mean, I used to volunteer in a kindergarten classroom four days out of five. And that was, that was the big guns. That was when you have a kid who is crying, screaming, inconsolable, nothing is working to calm this kid down. They're just completely over the top. What never failed was being able to say, listen, if you can calm down a little bit, maybe we go over here, I'll show you a magic trick. Nice. Worked every time. Just like tears stop and they're just looking at you like, okay, <laughs> you go over and you do, you know. And Amazing. you know, so there's, there's lots of reasons why it's useful, but here's the most important one. The way magic works is by fooling you, but it, that's not really true. I mean, what really happens is what a magician does is not fool you. A magician sets up the conditions for you to fool yourself. It works the same way as writing. A writer, as you know, doesn't really write everything that's happening. The goal is to write just enough where everything happens in the reader's head. That's so true. Right? You're writing one sentence, you're writing six, maybe six, seven words, and everybody who reads it, if you've done it right, gets exactly what you were trying to say yeah. with a tiny amount of language. But you're providing the conditions for the brain to do what it needs to do. So magicians do the same thing, but with deception. We're giving you just enough to hang yourselves. We're giving you just enough to fool yourself uh, because brains are hilariously exploitable. Brains are wired in such ways that there are a million shortcuts, because think about it. If your brain had to process everything that's coming in through all your senses all the time, 
you couldn't function. You'd be eaten by a tiger, right? Uh, yeah. So we would never have evolved to this point because <laughs> we never would have survived long enough to reproduce. So we evolved with brains that can make shortcuts. We can make assumptions. We, we pick up on changes to patterns because the pattern is background noise. You don't want to be processing that. Mm. Optical illusions. You know about optical illusions. You're looking at something that is definitely one way and you're definitely seeing it as another way. And you know that's because brains and eyes don't work the way uh, a video camera does, you know? Yeah. So when you learn the basic principles of even beginner level magic, it kind of puts you a little bit more, you understand a little bit more how messed up brains are and how imperfect memory is. And that's super important, I think, to keep in mind, because when you rely 100% on your memory, like I saw this, I know this is what happened, mm -hmm. I can prove to you, <laughs> and you know, any magician can prove to you that that is exploitable. And a lot of the techniques that magicians are using to let you fool yourselves are probably not known, you know, you know, not knowingly, they're the same techniques that are being used on you by advertisers, by marketers, by politicians. It's the same stuff. And so if you know a little bit of magic, you might be a little bit less susceptible to people who are trying to fool you, possibly uh, not to entertain, but to take advantage of you. Wow, that's incredible. So, that's yeah, I mean, I, I really do. I really do believe that. I really believe everybody would benefit in on some level just by learning, you know, just a little bit of how magic works. So. Yeah, you might be you might not trust uh, uh, your own because this is what you're saying is in a way, maybe people are trusting their own experience a little too much. Like right. I saw it, it went like that. Look, I, I heard the guy say that on TV and that's what it is, I guess. So I'm on this side now. Well, and it's 100%. You know, you might, you might have had this experience. I certainly have. I feel like pr probably a lot of people have where you may have a memory from childhood that's very vivid mm. of something that happened in you know fairly young childhood. And you've carried that around for decades. And then one day you're talking to your parents about it. And they're like, oh, that's not how that happened. Uh, it's a little bit different. But you've got a vivid memory that like, you know, Uncle Frank was the one who cut the turkey. Mm. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Before, you know, the table collapsed and everything, everything, you know, the dog <laughs> ran in, ran off of the turkey. And they're like, oh, no, no, it was Aunt Maureen. Aunt Maureen was the one cutting your turkey. But you're sure, you remember it was Uncle Frank. And then they bring out, uh, you know, the high eight video or, you know, <laughs> you know the, the old film or they have photographs of it or something that you didn't know existed. And you're looking at it, I'll be damned. It was Aunt Maureen. But you're so sure you remember it was Uncle Frank. That kind of thing. Because one of the things that they're pretty sure, I mean, they don't know, I guess, really how memory works, how brains work. I mean, we're learning more all the time, obviously. But one of the things that uh, my understanding is that they think every time you recall something from your memory, you're re-encoding you're re it. Mm. Okay. So it's a little bit like... You know, every time you open a JPEG uh, compressed graphic and then save it as another JPEG, you're losing a little bit. It's changing every time you do that. Right. So every time you remember something, 
you recall it, you're basically, you know, you're, you're saving it again. And the next time you remember it, it might be slightly different. And we have a tendency to direct things <laughs> as we're doing that. It might be the way we want them to be, or, you know, could be anything, some kind of psychological thing made me turn Aunt Maureen into Uncle Frank. Yeah. something about it. Maybe I just liked uncle Frank better. Maybe I just thought he was a funnier person and it was a funny moment. And so my brain eventually made me remember, Oh yeah, it was uncle Frank who did that. Just recompile so, the whole memory into uncle Frank. Exactly. Like maybe you just didn't remember who it was and you're used to uncle Frank and he was there a lot of times right. and your memory, you just, they just stole that from another part of your brain and slipped it right in. Could be anything. Could wow. be anything like that. It could be, you had a dream, you know, <laughs> at some point that was a vivid dream. Um, I run into people a lot who are very, very convinced in their own memories. Um, and oftentimes I'm like, that's going to be a really fun person to do magic for. <laughs> because those are usually the people that get fooled uh, the hardest from certain kinds of techniques, uh, which rely on memory. Oh, amazing. Because uh, that's one of the things magicians will mess with is they will, there are principles. I mean, you can look this up. You can look up psychological experiments that they've done of implanting memories in people just by talking to people about things. Really? And they believe uh, they remember now? One, trying to remember. There's a famous one that uh, involved, I think, like uh, implanting memories of uh, something that happened at a mall and they're able to just talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, that totally happened. And no, it was made up. It was for the experiment. Really? And people um, just now remember it like as if they actually remembered it? As if, yeah. They're like, oh yeah, you're wow. right. I do remember that. You know, it's, it's some wild stuff. And hmm. uh, I remember when I was just getting back into magic, so like six or seven years ago, I've been in, uh, you know, like in and out my whole life. I've loved magic since I was like five, but it was only about seven, six or seven years ago. I got really into it and, and, you know, just Basically, when I realized, oh, I can actually afford more than one deck of cards now, as opposed to when I was in fifth grade. So maybe I can actually start doing this stuff. But um, trying to remember the specific kind of thing. All right. So I did a trick for uh, a friend of mine. It was just a card trick. And he was like, that's amazing. He was like one of my favorite people to perform for because he's very much in the I'm just going to be absorbed in the wonder of this and be taken for a ride. You know, it's just fun. Everybody's having fun, but he was blown away by whatever it was I did. I don't remember what it was, but I do know that as soon as it was over, one of uh, the roommates came walking through the house and was like, what, you know, reacting to the, that was amazing. You know, what just happened? And the guy I did the trick for turns to the roommate and starts describing the trick that I just did. And it, that wasn't what happened at all. Hmm. it was like i mean it was close but he made it so much better in the retelling wow and you know i was you know trying not to react to that <laughs> but that was an important lesson because i was like okay so people will immediately misremember what just happened and if you're the right kind of person you're you're automatically misremembering it to be even more impressive than it was okay and i then found out you can structure magic routines to sort of foster that really like basically plant false memory as you're going through the trick. Amazing. 
So you know, I, I guess that's like, I don't think that's giving away too much to to say that if mag magicians are watching this and they're like, shut okay, up, yeah. I'm like, we'll stop it there. But you know, th this is the thing: memory is malleable and exploitable and imperfect, and uh, it's an it's an important thing to keep in mind whether you're a magician or not, I think. Wow. So. Well, I don't want to ruin anything at all. So if, it, if you can't answer the question, then don't. But I'm wondering what types of things do you think about when you're creating a, a new trick or maybe working with something? You know, I, I, like you say, there's a lot of different pieces that go into it. I'm curious, um, what types of things are you thinking about? And not necessarily what's the trick or how is that done, but yeah. like what, what do you have to think about? It's like, okay, oh, yeah, this is going to be a new trick. So now I need to take into account X, Y, Z. I think the way most people do it is they they have an idea of what they want the effect to be like they want it to be, you know they're thinking from the terms of the spectator this is what happened this is what i experienced and it was magical and amazing and wondrous and then they work backwards and try to figure out a method like how can i make that happen how can i make somebody think that's what happened to them mm. I usually don't go in that direction. I don't create that much original magic yet. Um, but when I do, I'm, I, I, I take a really odd route, which is sometimes I'll stumble upon a method for something that I don't even, so I don't even know what the trick's gonna be, but I figure something out and I'm like, I gotta use this somehow. And then I, I try to come up with a trick to use that method. And so a lot of the earlier stuff that I came up with was, really you know it's like cart before the horse kind of thing uh -huh. like um, a reverse engineering kind of situation yeah i think i think the best magicians and the best magic that's created goes in the other direction they start with the narrative they're like this is what happens now how can i make that happen see the and thing too go looking for methods does seem but to like be... i would stumble upon a weird chemical process and i'd be like or or i'd fixate on it um like one of the the first tricks i created I kind of got fixated with the idea of I want some way for something I write to change into something else. Mm. And I just went, you know, figuring out, just trying to figure out how can I make this happen? And eventually I found a way that I loved and I built a huge routine around it that it's not even, it's less a magic trick and more just like a weird thing that happens over the course of 20 minutes while you're talking to someone on zoom. It was the idea, you know, it's like a very long involved thing. And there's a whole backstory with a secret society and a sealed letter that I've got that we open on camp. You know, it, it's uh, it was a lot of fun and I've done it on stream a couple of times. And most magicians would, I think, argue that it's a terrible trick in the sense that there's no theatricality to it. It's, you know, it's not the kind of thing you could perform on stage. I tried once. I actually did turn it into a version that was done for a magic show on zoom and it works but it was like cut down to seven minutes the mechanics were all there it went over well but the joy of the original routine for me is that it is a conversation and it leads into weird conversational things about well what city would you go to if you could go anywhere for free and you know you don't cut that short you have that conversation you talk to somebody about it but that's all part of the routine you know, and it leads you into this other thing. And then by the end of the thing, it might be half an hour later and brains explode because <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not expecting a trick per se, you know, and that's, that was the kind of thing that I was going for, for that. But yeah, like I say, that, that came out of 
I want to have something where writing changes visibly from one thing into another right in front of somebody's face. And I eventually found a method for it um, that worked after a lot of false starts. Um, Does that happen a lot where you, you, you just, there's just a starts. lot of going back to the, going back to the drawing board on, on the regular. Yeah. Um, I did my one and only stage performance last February for one Boston Magic Lab, which is kind of a, um, <clears throat> it's a little bit, they build themselves as a, an open mic night for magic, for magicians. And it's monthly in Boston, um, anytime not over the summer, because I think it's run by people who are also gone for the summer for, you know, they're here for university and things like that. Oh. Um, and I, my, my girlfriend found it first and uh, took me to it for my birthday. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to come back every month. And then that was January of 2020. <laughs> so of course I got to go to one more before everything shut down and then they moved it online. And so now it's over zoom and they had people who are not in Boston participating and people uh, in Germany were watching, you know, which was pretty cool. And so I, I did the, the trick I was just talking about with the writing changing as part of that. Mm. And then I was supposed to, uh, you know, they went back live and I got a slot and I was going to go do the thing live. And then that got canceled because cases skyrocketed again. That was like January of 2022, oh, you know, okay. I, like the, when things suddenly went like that. Uh, so they moved it online again and I did, a, I, I did another original thing that I created specifically for online, which was, um, you know, the torn and restored zombie, uh, which you may have, may, oh, may or may not yeah. have seen at this point. I think I might have, but, yeah. Um, but in February, they're like, okay, we haven't given away your slot. We're moving back. You know, things are coming down. We're moving back live. Do you, do you still want it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was going to do um, this routine by a magician I like very much. That when he does it on stage in front of a lot of people, it's a card trick that works, in, you know, in a, in a stage scenario, like a parlor setting. And um, when he does it, it takes about three minutes. And I had a seven minute slot, I thought, you know, for the January show, they said seven minutes. And I was like, okay, I've never done this on stage. Seven minutes to do a three minute routine is probably about right for me. Also, I talk a lot, as you know. Yeah, no, yeah. You have to be able to talk if you're going to be on Twitch. Yeah, well, you got to be able to talk to yourself, basically. <laughs> but I mean, so I was working on this particular trick that this guy had put together. And then they're like, okay, you've got a 15 minute slot. I was like, oh, okay. Cause uh, I guess somebody had dropped out or something between January and February. So now I suddenly have 15 minutes instead of uh, seven. Okay. And I said, okay, well I can either try to come up with something from scratch or, you know, go looking for somebody's thing that I can learn that'll fill that space. Or I could just do two things. But then, you know, I don't really want to do two disjointed tricks. I mean, it's perfectly valid for people to do that, but that wasn't what I was interested in doing. So I took this trick and I built a narrative around it where uh, I am basically a scientist. Uh, I, I already had a lab coat with my name on it because my <laughs> girlfriend got me and my daughter matching lab coats years ago. And I was like, all right, this is cool. But the as, idea as, being, as you uh, do, I guess, as you do, right. It's perfect. <laughs> You're going to have yeah, to tell yeah, us why at some point, point, but please. Well, we had a daddy daughter, uh, mad science week, uh, one, one week when they were home for, uh, home from school for a week. And I took a week off of work 
and uh, we we made the baking equivalent of a turducken, the called the pie cookie. Okay. So we baked a we baked a chocolate chip cookie inside of a cherry pie inside of a chocolate cake. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. This and sounds we, difficult. <laughs> I, mean, I don't it know. It was not easy, but we had a good time and it turned out great. I still have photos. Amazing. Uh, and we spent the rest of the week working on their um, first ever cosplay and, and, you know, finished out the week by, you know, I think there were like 11 at the time. And, and then we went to Comic-Con, Boston Comic-Con and, and, you know, in, in this uh, Sally costume from um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Phenomenal. And it was great. You know, we spent all week, I'm sewing, you know, drawing things. But, uh, and so, yeah, you had this lab well, coat. So now you got 15, I minutes. had the lab coats. And so I was like, okay, can I turn this aura card routine into something that's bigger? And so I prefaced it. I got obsessed with this idea of, okay, here's how we're going to do this. Because the, the original routine is three people in the audience pick cards and they put them back in the deck. A fourth person shuffles the deck. And then the magician can, by touching the first person's finger, can go through the cards and find their card. Okay, great. Second person touches their finger. This time I'm going to do a blind, takes the deck, puts it in the pocket, and then just reaches in, pulls out their card, blind from the pocket. And then the third person touches their finger. Uh, they're like, that was weird. Try it again, you know. Like, I think you can find it yourself. Reach in my pocket, pick any card you want that feels right to you, turns out to be their card. It's a great routine. Nice. Three to five minutes if you're good. I figure seven minutes because I'm not. And then, um, <laughs> and now I've got 15. So what am I going to do? So again, the routine's called Aura. And so I said, let's just go hog wild with this. I, I wanted to come in as a scientist and go through this whole thing where we're not just going to, you know, you're going to touch the card and I'm going to touch your finger and, you know, read the Aura. <laughs> I had to develop this whole thing. I spent months on this. Well, you know, a month up all night buying all kinds of stuff that I ended up trying this. It didn't work, whatever, but I wanted to make film plates so that I could you know, have them hold their hand up, hold a film plate six inches in front of it, and then basically take a photograph of their aura that way. Oh, that's so I do this with three people and I put these blank white glass plates up on a stand on the stage. And as they're choosing cards and we're doing all that business, people are seeing the auras of the hands develop in real time on the plates. Like they're slowly fading in, in different colors. And I got obsessed with that. I'm like, I want this to be the thing. And then I wanted the ending of the trick to be the backs of all the cards change to the color of each person's aura. I'm like, okay, that's a 15 minute routine, you know, and it turned out to be a 17 minute routine because of course I ran long, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was the whole thing. And then I just that's spent awesome. like six weeks doing nothing. You know, every spare moment I was not sleeping. I was like, how can I make this happen? How can I, you know, so that was one instance where I had a narrative first. And then I was like, how do I, I need a method. I need some way. I basically want a Polaroid of somebody's aura. And it took a lot of doing, but I eventually got it working and I was thrilled. That sounds so. like a fantastic trick. And like, it, you, you, it exists on video. You, uh, they, they actually did film it. Um, I'll have to send you, I'll have to send you the link. It's on YouTube. I'd love to so see it. It is out there. Definitely. So yeah, no, I'd like to see it also. Even just, I love the idea of the narrative. And I, I, I wanted to talk about the thing that you said earlier too, where you have, um, you know, something written on a, on a in in an envelope right and you turn that into kind of a conversational trick 
Um, oh, I, yeah. And that you said that, hey, it's not even really a lot of magicians would say that's not even really that much of a trick or whatnot because you're having yeah. this conversation. But I, I think there's some genius in that um, personally because essentially what you're doing is making it everybody I think at some point would now forget in a way that conversation went here. It went there. It was, it was whatever. Oh, we just talked about uh, that particular city in the middle of this conversation. And now, Oh yeah, by the way, it's on the envelope, you know, and that, that, that yeah. nonchalant feeling, I think, uh, probably adds something like a lot to that trick. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, I, I would think it is actually kind of amazing to go the other way sometimes like the it, the antithesis in a way of the trick you just described that has like some really big you know pieces and it takes months and months but yet you know those two things are kind of equally good in different ways uh, just that's just a thought yeah there's uh, i mean i i agree with you there, there's different kinds of magic that are in, you know used in different scenarios and uh the best but to my, for my money the very best writer in magic um deals basically exclusively with what I, I think he would term social magic. You know, he doesn't perform on stage. He doesn't perform in formal settings. All of the magic he does is just he's out with friends and uh, he starts talking, you know, about this weird thing that's going on. And he's got routines that last weeks. Whoa. Like, they'll build up over time and people don't even understand you know, it's like every time they come over, there's something slightly different in his apartment, you know, like things like that Whoa. just really. Uh, and that was sort of the, that was sort of the genesis for the idea of, well, and in fact, the, that routine uh, was, was basically a version of something that he had come up with where the change didn't happen in front of people's eyes because it didn't need to. And that kind of social setting where you're hanging out with somebody on the couch uh the the trick was structured in such a way where you know you're like well that didn't work and you crumple it up and throw it on the table but later on when they check it it's different you know so there's mm. there's time in between i needed something that would happen work over zoom where it never leaves your site and so that was you know that was the idea of that but the, cool. the general presentation was all taken from from this other thing wow uh, okay. i just, I just changed it into something that could be done live over zoom so that's yeah, everything's be, situational. That's got to be a whole context there too, right? Where you're now making this effort. Like that's again, that's not something we've seen on Twitch a lot. I don't think there are that many magicians on Twitch. You know, I, I know yeah. of like four, maybe I know of you yeah, and then everyone else four. you've, and that's really it. <laughs> everyone I've seen in your chat basically. So yeah, I, yeah. I feel like there's a whole nother game. What makes uh what are some of the challenges with Zoom uh, or or just maybe oh, some of the wild. benefits in a way, but I guess. Yeah, some things are way, way easier. Some things are way, way harder. Um, certain things are that are, you know, very easy to do live person to person are literally impossible. But also things that would be literally impossible in person can become possible in this kind of environment. Hmm. So it's a very different sort of thing. A lot of the methods, techniques, strategies, and so on carry across, but need to be changed. But also you need to be able to throw things out the window because it's just like, again, I can't have you shuffle a deck of cards. Yeah. So any trick where it hinges upon knowing, you knowing a hundred percent for sure that those cards are mixed is probably not a trick I'm going to do on Twitch because there's no way for me to guarantee that. The best I can do is show you them mixed. 
and put them back together and then do a thing, which is pretty good. Absolutely, that's pretty good. But if you have a trick where what really makes it work is the fact that you know 100% for sure that I didn't touch the cards. Yeah. It all happens in your hands. That's you know. Common. Yeah, uh, you can't you can't do that. <laughs> wow. Um so like there's there's a streamer who's local to me. You know, he's like a half hour drive from me. He was having his one year uh, anniversary stream. And I said, any chance you want a live magician for your party? Because I'll drive over, I'll do magic live in person for you, and we'll both be on camera, you know, for those segments. And so I did that. And that was great for me, because now it's like I can do tricks that rely on the fact that there's a living human body finally interacting <laughs> and i was like uh, do you have anything any requests and uh he's known for showing his feet on camera it's a whole thing i don't know okay but he's like, I, and I don't, foot magic. I'm I like, don't, I don't love even the know way... what foot magic is but we'll figure <laughs> it out you know so i did i did a card to shoe thing where you know he, he picks a card he he wrote on it put it back in the deck we lose it in the deck i give him the deck i tell him find your card he doesn't find it it's not in there i'm like okay great you know i think we got it right shoe or left shoe and, you know, he chose right shoe and, you know, very cleanly take the shoe off, hold it up, shake it. One card drops down from the toe and it's the signed card. Like nice. that's the kind of thing. It's not going to be interesting over Twitch, Got it. but over Twitch, people watching me and him do it live together worked really well, you know, that and that great. card is still on his bridge in the background every time he's on stream now. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. Although, yeah, you know, fun. I, I will say I don't like the way you called him a live human body, but, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I got to draw the distinction. Fair. Um, of course. The, you know, the, pre corpse. Uh, pre, uh, I used to say pre corpse. This is better. I'm told. I'm told by people that this is less off putting than pre corpse. Got so. it. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, you were saying um, that the, you originally got interested in magic around five and you were doing it a little bit then and then recently got into it in the past six or seven years, right? Um, yeah. So, what kind of things, what happened in the interim? What was going on there? Okay, so. Uh... I have a sister who's seven years older than me. So a lot of kids go through a magic phase and it often hits around 11 or 12. Okay. So my sister was doing magic stuff with a friend uh, when I was five. And that was my first, uh, this is pretty cool. Like I'm, I'm seeing, uh, you know, this happening, you know, they used to do like magic tricks on my birthday party, that kind of thing. And I'd be like, uh, this is pretty awesome. I got seriously, well, I say seriously. I got as seriously into it as, as, you know, I could at the age of maybe, I want to say eight. I remember getting a lot of books out of the library. This is when I was in Australia. Um, and one of those books in particular, I was uh, enthralled by because it was just page after page. It was very old stuff. Like, like the illustrations all look like they're from the 1920s. And I'm looking at all these stage illusions and, you know, cutaways showing how it was done and everything. And it was all very old stuff, very, you know, out of date stuff. But you know, I, again, this was, it made a huge impression on me at the age of like eight or nine to the point where a couple of years ago, I found that book. I actually found that it showed up uh, in, a, in a blind auction at a magic con convention. I bid on it, but I didn't get it. So I was bummed. But then I found out somebody uh, is selling a PDF version of it. So I have it. I have the PDF version. Oh. 
And I'm looking through it. I'm like, I remember all this from 40 plus years ago. And, and it's amazing. You know, this, this straight nostalgia shot, like right to the, right to the brainstem. But um, yeah, so I was like eight or nine and learning about the stuff, getting the books out and, you know, trying things. And, you, you know, every kid gets a magic set and you, you, you mess with that and stuff like that. When I got back to America when I was about 10, um, so fifth grade, sixth grade, uh, that continued. And so I lived in Chicago, a uh, big magic city, a lot, you know, a lot of magic happening in Chicago. But of course, I was a kid and didn't have access to most of it. But I used to ride my bike to Magic Incorporated, which looks like this little mom and pop corner shop. Uh, that itself was an illusion because it was actually the whole block almost <laughs> like the whole building was magic incorporated. They were like the second or third largest magic distributor in the world. That's amazing. But the, the shop itself was this tiny little corner shop and everybody knew, you know, uh, Jay Marshall, Francis Marshall, his wife, you know, uh, Jay Marshall was a famous magician back in the day. But if you were a random kid walking in, you wouldn't know that. Hmm. Um, but they, the, one thing that would tip you off is they had a catalog that was seven volumes in size. Oh boy. So I would subscribe to this catalog and uh, I would just, you know, we had no money. So I would spend all my evenings just paging through the catalog and basically making annotated lists with prices and totals and everything of like, this is what I would get if I had money. Uh, and it would be like all this stuff that I wanted. And, you know, it, it was just an obsession, really great stuff. Wow. But, you know, in the meantime, I was trying to teach myself magic half from kids books, but half from, I would get like a book at a magic store that was for magicians. And I'm trying to work through like, you know, stuff that would never work with hands as small as mine were. And so you get discouraged and so on. And then at some point I also had a tarot reading that said I would never be a magician. And I oh, was crying yeah. my eyes out for days over that. Really? It just like shut me down. Um, but I still like kind of kept up with cards and things like that all through high school the, uh, a friend of mine who uh, is a really talented cartoonist, um, he did he did an alternative yearbook for the weirdos. An uh, alternative yearbook, uh, where it was he 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 had cartoon versions of all of our friends, you know, and it was it was a whole separate thing. It's but in my actual yearbook, he signed it with a, a caricature of me, and it was labeled, you know, the the Jack Miller card force. And wow. it was a character of me holding a deck of cards and a baseball bat saying like, pick any card. I dare is ya, you know? So like, even in high school, I'd forgotten about that. And my dad sent me my yearbook and he's like, remember this? And like, yeah, not really. So apparently it was still a thing. Even in high school, I was doing, uh, you know, some, I was known enough for doing magic where, you know, that would show up in something like that. And then in college, I didn't have time for anything. Uh, if you don't have time to sleep, you don't have time to do a lot of magic, but it was always on my mind, you know, and uh, that was late eighties, early nineties, Penn and Teller were just starting to be a thing. Uh -huh. Penn and Teller played Boston. I got tickets and went and I got to hang out and talk with them a little while because they weren't so big where they weren't hanging out in the lobby. Interesting. And, uh, you know, again, so it's, it was always part of my life throughout, but again, about seven years ago, and I got to credit the internet again. I, you know, I saw a video on YouTube that had gone viral and it was a magic trick. And I remember thinking, I would love to be able to do that magic trick. And then I realized, I think maybe now I could, you know, I've got hands big enough to actually do these things. And it was a good trick as an introduction back into magic for me, because it was like, 
if I want to do that trick, I got to learn a lot. There are a lot of things I need to be able to do competently to get through this whole routine. And so I just started buying cards, learning stuff, buying books, buying videos. And, um, you know, I, it was, it was that first love that never really went away, but finally I got to really spend time with it. Yeah. And, oh. um, yeah. And then, you know, pandemic happened <laughs> and, and like everything else, like, I guess now I'm sitting at home and, uh, just trying the stuff on my own and I got desperate. Um, and so I said, well, I'm going to see how much of this can be done over zoom. And the answer was not a lot, but I was working on it and was trying to build more stuff that would work over zoom. And I would hang out with my dad on zoom and be like, can I, can I try this with you? You know, like, he's like, he was great. He's always been great. He's always been super supportive of anything I do. Huh. He's in my chat every time I stream. That's true. I you always know? see him in there. <laughs> Info's always, dad. He's always in there. Yeah. Info's dad. He's always in there. And, Amazing. uh, you know, he's going to be 80 next month and, and shout out to Info's dad. Kids. You're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is awesome. He is awesome. You know, we, we, uh, we try to talk on the phone all the time, basically, <laughs> whenever we can. And those conversations are like three hours long sometimes, you know, it is just, uh, we've always kind of clicked on that level, which is nice. But yeah, he's super supportive of anything I've ever wanted to do, whether it be poetry, whether it be magic, whether it be baking, you know, literally all of the random things I've done throughout my life. <laughs> he's always, he's always been, yeah, go for it. Do that, that thing. Sounds... I don't know. I don't understand what you're doing, but let's do it. It sounds great. You know, uh, I wish everybody had parents like that. That's amazing. I, speaking of, of parents and baking and you, you had mentioned you and your daughter baking. Um, that's yeah. actually one of the things is we've talked about this. Uh, you've talked a little bit about it on, on Twitch and it was one of the reasons why I even wanted to talk to you in the first place was because you had mentioned that, um, you, you, you saved up like, again, this, this podcast is essentially about beauty, like the beauty of art and the beauty of whatever, you know, battle struggles, that kind of thing, uh, business. Uh, and so I think this sort of ties everything together in a way, uh, because you were able to, uh, purposefully take some time off, uh, from working, oh, yeah. um, and be able to like, so that you could be home, raise your daughter. And, you know, yeah. obviously make, of course, eventually this was leading to the, the, the cookie pie cake extravagant. Yeah, pie cakey. <laughs> the pie cakey. No, the pie cakey. Yeah. There it is. Sorry. I, it's the turducken of baking. It's, it's the, the turducken, turducken of baking. You know, you know turducken, right? So I, I've heard. Yeah. Inside I've, of I've a seen duck inside super of a gross. <laughs> yeah. It's super gross. I was just talking to magicians on Zoom last night. We meet up like most Wednesdays because, again, when the pandemic happened, none of these magicians had anywhere to perform anymore. So it was basically 50 people getting into a Zoom room and complaining about, you know, oh, life. Really? And, and um, we still we still meet every week, which is great. But um, that actually came up. I don't remember exactly how. I, I, I did. I did a trick. Oh. Uh, I showed a clip from my stream, uh, which was one of the first tricks I ever created myself starting seven years ago, which was um, a card to muffin because uh, I was reading a book by one of my favorite magicians and it was about creating your own magic. And it said, the first thing you need to do is what, what is it about you that's different from other people in magic? Like what, hmm. what can you do that maybe other magicians can't do? I'm like, well, I bake well and I bake a lot. Uh, 
let's let's try let's see if we can uh, do a trick with a card going into a muffin and so I, I did that awesome. I just performed it last Saturday on stream I don't do it often because you need to bake to do it <laughs> you need the muffins but um, last night somebody was like oh yeah I do a similar trick but the card ends up in a chicken <laughs> and I was like okay now you need to do it with a turducken you, you need to <laughs> vanish the card it's in the chicken. And then I said, okay, better yet. It's inside the egg, inside the chicken, inside the duck, inside the turkey, you know? But um, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I completely hijacked that. But no, that's you were talking all right. about, I, I'm um, happy to hear about the trick. I'm off to raise a kid. But see, the, this um, is why you got to follow the stream. This is why people have to follow the stream because, you, you know, <laughs> it's there's always something. There's always something. So, but yeah, no, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, again, it, it's not gonna be a magic show folks I, I don't plan out i mean I, i'll be like i think i'm gonna do this i might try to do this and so on but there's no order to it, it it's not it's not a planned out thing because it's twitch you know, like twitch mm -hmm. is in intended well i don't know if it was intended but it certainly has grown to be it's 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 a conversational medium it's not you know you don't usually even if it's a musician's stream it's not a show it's not usually not like here's our set list and we're going to do this right mm. people are saying hey can you do this and they're like oh yeah maybe we might be able to work you know oh, let's try it you know it's very open it's it's it allows a conversation between the audience and the performer and that's that's what i love about it you yeah. know because i just like hanging out and talking to people without actually being in a room with them which is fantastic because <laughs> I, I like to say i hate people i mean I don't really hate people, but I kind of hate being around people, you know? I, so it's fantastic being able to talk to you, but if you were here, I might start getting a little antsy. That's all I'm saying, you know, nothing you, against you personally, no. but you know, I'm just that way. That's so. really great to hear. And I actually feel like, um, a lot of people who have that, like, I'm going to tell you, I definitely, uh, have some introverted leanings. Like I, I, I look, not that I can't be in a group of people, not at all. You know, I, yeah. I can do public speaking, you know, I could, I could do any of that kind of stuff. However, I do find it draining and nerve wracking yeah. to be in a room with other people face to face for a long period of time. <clears throat> Even if friends come over sometimes, you know, like I know these people yep. and they're friends of mine. I I'm, I'm tired of it after about a day, <laughs> you know? So yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I get dragged to a party in real life, um, it is days to recover after that. Yeah. And I think there is a very observable uh, reason <laughs> uh, why somehow, I think somehow, but I mean, it sounds obvious now that we're talking about this. If I'm dragged to a party, uh, somehow by the end of the night, I usually find myself in the middle of a conversation being the guy who's defending cannibalism. It just keeps <laughs> happening Obviously. over and over again. I, like over the years, like every other party, every other party I'm at, somehow the conversation winds up with me defending cannibalism. Now, here's the thing. It, it just this literally we just had this conversation on your Twitch stream that just happened right. today. So this is not right. a joke. Now, that's why I'm thinking about it. You know, because we were talking just, about this. Yeah, this is just this is just what happens, uh, you know, because I'm the guy at the party who is either if there are cats, great, I'm hanging out with the cats or the mm. dog, you know, uh, like those are those are my people, right? Um, if not, there better be a bookshelf because I'm staring at the titles on those bookshelf and reading them all slowly over and over again, top to bottom, left to right, top to bottom, wow. anything that will prevent people from coming over and trying to talk to me. Um, and Amazing. I can talk to people. 
I can be good at it. I mean, I was in customer service for years and I was good at it. I mean, I, I can, it's not even really faking it. It's just that it's really hard, but just because it's hard doesn't mean I'm not good at it. So I don't know. No, that makes a a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, and it's a weird thing. A lot of people have that too, though. And honestly, I relate to that quite a bit. I do find it, it, it is difficult it's not that you can't do it and it's not that you're shy or anything like that or any of that. Right. That's not really what's going on there. It's that it's draining. You don't get energy necessarily from that. You lose energy from it. I wonder why that is. Yeah. Would you would you feel like it's because uh, you have a you're, you're very observant. You notice a lot of details. You hear the mistakes in what people are saying or thinking really easily. Or uh, are you critical in that regard? Or do you feel like that maybe could be a thing? Uh, that's probably part of it. I mean, I'm I'm both the most and least observant person you're ever going to meet. I, I like I, I'm literally the person who this, this this actually happened. I was driving home from work the same route I had been taking for ten years, um, but I happened to you know I, w- I was on that route, but I wasn't driving home from work. You know, it was the same route, and I had somebody in the car with me, and I was like, when did that open? And they're like 25 years ago. You know, I've been driving past it twice a day, five days a week for 10 years. Don't even see it because I'm driving a car. You know, if I'm driving a car, I'm like focused on not dying. Also, I'm in Boston. I mean, if you're not focused on the road, you're going to die. It's not a good place to drive. But um, so I'll miss the big things all the time, but I'll notice little things. And they, they, yeah, sometimes they'll get on my nerves. and you know not to my credit um internally i I think i'm probably way more critical than i should be of other people yeah um uh, but i recognize that that is that is a character failing on my part you know and i'm i'm working on it you know i'm we're all we're all a work in progress until we're dead (laughs) (laughs) and uh i'm just hoping that i'm better than dead right before i'm dead you know like i I would like to be i would like the net positive rating you know like i don't want to die and they're like well that's better you know (laughs) like i I want somebody to be like it was actually a little better when he was alive you know that kind of thing but um that feels kind of like an astronaut's uh way of doing things like i I heard um it was chris hetfield who was the commander of the international space station for a while he said that like when you're going to the space station what you should be, if you want to be a plus one, like being a benefit mm. to people there, you're going to have to aim for trying to be essentially not a minus one. Like if you can be a zero, then then you'll probably end up being a plus one because trying to be a plus one, you'll probably get in a lot of people's way and it's going to screw everything That's a up. Really good, you're going to be a problem. That's a good way of thinking about it. I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that, but no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I could see, we, look, we all are working on things, you know, like it's, it's yeah. difficult to, it's difficult not to be critical of others. And I think that is actually a thing that happens a lot, particularly in our age that we have, or you can essentially watch a video of anyone even live like we do. And, uh, you can criticize easily, uh, you can watch yeah. a compilation of people failing, literally fail compilations sure. and say, look how stupid everybody is in the world. Um, yeah. So then maybe that carries on or whatever. So, you know, look, I'm not going to tell you that I don't do the same thing. Maybe I, I would like to work on that less judgmental of people. So maybe I'm going to take that away yeah. from, from this one. But yeah. I think what I asked you <laughs> was, how, how did you plan? Because <laughs> uh, like, I actually was really excited about this too. Because I'm going to ask Father you again. Thing, right? 
the fatherhood thing. Um, okay, yeah. See, I, I somehow it, I remember the reference. Uh, like, I managed to get back. I managed we to got get there. back to it. No, well, um, it doesn't matter. We don't. We take the long way around here. That's that's <laughs> what ragged world is. is. I didn't call it the pristine world. I call it the ragged world. Fair. <laughs> There's a strong fair reason for that. So, um, I always well, I, I say always. Certainly, as far back as high school, I wanted to be a parent. I wanted to be a dad. Really, that uh, far I back? Kids. A lot that of times people are yeah. scared at that time, like when you're in high school of yeah. having kids. So you were thinking, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I I don't know why that is. Uh, you could, I'm sure there are people who would attribute that to like, oh, your parents are divorced. Um, or, you know, you, you didn't get to see your mom much because she was working 80 hours a week and things, you know, like, yeah, certainly these could all have fed into it. I don't know. Uh, all I know is that, yeah, I was pretty sure that one of the things I wanted to be was a dad um, to the point where I would even like start thinking about names and things. Although I, I, I went in a very different direction on that. I eventually, I eventually came around to the decision that um, it's a bad idea to name your kids before you meet them. Oh. And, and in fact, we, we didn't name our kid until we spent a day <laughs> spent a day with this tiny little wrinkled thing and, and we were like, Oh, okay. Um, looks like an Anya. Perfect. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. Wow. so, uh, because people, people would be like, Oh, what names do you have? And I was like, we're not doing that. Uh, Cause yeah, like I'm sure you've met people where you're like, you are definitely not a Christine, you know? And they're <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I know I'm not a Christine. Uh, like I hate, I hate my name. And I feel like everybody should get to choose their own name eventually. But the, the next best thing is at least meet meet your kid before you choose a name for your kid. Like uh, maybe that will be slightly better. But then also I feel like everybody, if, if you wound up with the wrong name, everybody gets to choose their own name. Fair um, enough. It's a, it is a, it, it, yeah, I feel like that should be an inalienable right. Everybody should get to choose what people call you. So, um, true. I agree with you on that. It's true. Cause at, at some point you do, you might grow out of a, a name that you, you had when you were an infant as well. Uh, so that, that, that makes sense. No, it's very yeah. interesting. It's a small detail in a way, like you're saying, okay, you meet this, you're meeting an infant, but I guess there is a, I wouldn't know that cause I don't have kids. So I guess there is a pretty big difference from before they're born to after they're born. Once they're in a the room, you felt like you had a better better grasp of giving a name at that point a little bit yeah yeah i mean you get you get a little bit beforehand because you know uh, even in the ultrasound you get a sense of what your kid's going to look like oh and you get a sense of uh personality based on what they do while they're you know gestating you know because certain kinds of music they start kicking more you know, or you're watching one particular TV show and they're moving around all the time. And it's like, this is interesting. You know, little, little things like that. You start, you start getting a sense of a personality before they're even born. Uh, but once they're out, it's like, all right, this is, uh, you know, a tiny red screaming creature who really didn't want to be pulled out. <laughs> you know, like in, 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 in this particular case, I'm like, okay, this person just did not want to be out. Yeah. And, and what a shock wound up being introverted. Right. So it's like, you can kind of, you can kind of pick up on it even early and maybe it's a coincidence, but maybe not. But I got the sense right away. I'm like, I, I know where this kid's coming from. Like I, I, I'm right there with you, kid. I'm sorry. I know it's bright. <laughs> you're cold. They've got you on a metal scale. I mean, I would hate this too. I'm sure I did. 
you know yeah. so but you you do get you know even in a day or two i Amazing. at least i definitely got a, a bigger sense of who this person was than beforehand that's so cool. and you know when you pre-choose a name i feel like not always but it could be a symptom of maybe you're going to be that kind of parent that's trying to make your kid into something specific. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a parent. The important thing is, and I always try to tell people this if they want to hear it. I, I never give unsolicited advice, but um, if people ask me, you know, they're going to be a parent. They're like, what can you tell me about it? I'm like, are you sure you want me to tell you? Okay. The most important thing to me is, you need to remember that is not you. That is a different person. That person could turn out to be somebody you hate, or at least somebody that if they weren't your kid, if you met them on the street, you would never get along with that person. That might be what happens. You need to be okay with that because your job is not to turn them into you. Your job is to keep them safe and let them discover who they are themselves. Yeah. Give them chances to try different things let them decide what they want to do and who they want to be you know and you, you that that shouldn't be you like yeah you can guide them you don't want them to grow up to be a serial killer or a magician <laughs> but you know you, you can aka you, a very can, good serial killer <laughs> exactly so <laughs> yeah. you know you can you can sort of guide things but i always felt it was and and that was that comes from my dad like he never said that explicitly but just the way he behaved my whole life Whenever I got into something new, he would be smiling about it. He didn't know what it was or he didn't have any interest in it, but he liked that I was interested in something and passionate about something. You know, like I started, I was, I was that dorky kid in high school who suddenly like found the, the romantic poets of the early 19th century, Byron, Keats, Shelley, all those people. And I was, I was into that. And, you know, I've still got the books he bought me with the Amazing. inscriptions in them. Amazing. You know, from the early, you know, like the, the mid to late eighties, you know, he's got the inscription in there. It's like, hope you enjoy this. You know, it, that was, that, that was the kind of parent I wanted to be just like, whatever you're into. Fantastic. I, I want to be excited for you. You know, I want you to find who you are and, and because uh, so many people don't find out who they are until, well, some people never do. And you, you can spot those people, right? Because they're always miserable and angry because they never had a shot. They never had a shot to find out who they were. And in some sense, it's almost a luxury, but it shouldn't be. We live in a world where it shouldn't be a luxury to be who you want to be. So. And, and get a chance to figure it out. That's that's something. And honestly, every, a lot of the things you said are incredible to me, too. Like, think about, you know, a dad getting you poetry books. Uh, I think a lot of people would find that surprising in a way like sometimes like it just Maybe. there are a lot of there are a lot of cliches uh that are out there but sometimes they're cliches because it happens it's like hey here's a football you know like forget that poetry right. you know here do something else and it's like well no uh here's what you like okay cool i i, I can handle that i i think it does take some mental fortitude and a little bit of uh uh the ability to detach uh, from that idea that you have to be this person who's, you know, helicoptering over their personality or their character, um, besides the serial killer part, like you mentioned. But besides yeah. the serial killer part, I mean, you can draw the line Fantastic. at serial killer. I feel like that's a reasonable line to draw. Reasonable. But, yeah. but generally speaking, uh, you know, I, I feel like 
a lot of people are not living the way that they would be happiest to live for no reason other than people told them not to either explicitly or implicitly. Wow. And like, if you want to go back a couple hundred years in our society and you know, okay, everybody had to work just to survive. Sure. But we, we have progressed to a point where people have leisure time. Uh, most people, uh, I say most, I mean, that's a very privileged thing to say, but I was going to say most people don't have to worry about uh, necessarily starving to death or dying of disease. But of course, that's not true. Well, plenty of people do, sure, yeah. even in this society, you know, and it's a shame because we have the better. resources to make that not be a case. Hmm. But um, it's better than it was by a pretty huge margin, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's you know fair to say that. So I, I think it's fair to say we we are at a point, at least in this society, where I consider it kind of criminal that people are not allowed to be who they want to be. And I, I'll give you an example. Sure. Um, so I still say my daughter. Uh, they use uh, they they are agender, so they use they them pronouns but specifically told me uh you know you can take the 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 title daughter raider you know you can pry it from my cold dead fingers i'm not giving that up <laughs> okay you know because because that was the whole thing uh they're my daughter they're my moderator they're my daughter raider you know so amazing i feel like i can still say daughter but i, I try to be really careful about the they them thing um so one of their school friends from grade school up. I mean, I, I told you I, I um, volunteered in kindergarten classrooms. I remember this friend from kindergarten, <laughs> you know, so I've been there. I've been there this whole time. Uh, that friend came out as trans recently, and that family did exactly the wrong, all the wrong things, all the wrong things. To the point where, you know, I first heard about this when my so daughter struggling to me some degree. said, this is, this is a big ask, but is there any chance over the summer, uh, my friend who has more or less been disowned um, and has no place to stay once the, the semester ends, um, can she stay in my room because my daughter was staying at their mom's place for the summer so mm -hmm. vacant room and i was like yeah <laughs> you know and again i don't like being around other people generally speaking but that is not an okay situation to tell your kid who has just bravely come out and said I've known since I was 12, I'm actually female and basically, you know, all the wrong reactions. And then, you know, this, this woman basically felt like she had no place, uh, no place at the house, no place to go. Yeah, and it's only a couple blocks away, you know? So I was like, you know what? Yeah, come on, uh, come on over. Let's, let's just do this thing, you know? Um, mm. And so I, you know I, I haven't kept up exactly on what the situation is, but um, it's funny though, the thing that came to my mind there, it reminds me of something that I learned from, uh, a Navy SEAL platoon commander. 
believe it or not. Awesome. Um, where they were talking about, because I think a lot of this stuff sort of crosses over. Because you're talking about being a parent, it means you're a leader in some regards. So I feel like it, yeah. it, it crosses over here where they said um, that, okay, let's say you're getting, you have the, 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 in the chain of command, you have someone above you who's telling you, okay, you guys are going to have to go take that hill and, uh, look, there's a there's a pillbox there. They they got a fortified position. They got the high ground, and there's only so many of us. And it's we're probably all gonna get killed doing that. But he's he's sending Come you there. On. That's that's what he's saying. You got to do. Um, is it good for you to what wh what do you do here? Is it good for you to say, uh, n no, I'm not gonna do it, or just say yes, sir, we're gonna go and try it, and all of you get killed, or do you say no, I'm not doing it? Then he's like, okay, cool, you're out. And then he gets a yes man in there and all your guys get taken in and get killed too. So I feel like it's right. that situation a little bit there where you may not like what you're being told. You know, you may not yeah. like what you're being told here. And the, this situation isn't the situation you were hoping for. But to right. say, okay, you've got nowhere to go, like hit the hit the bricks, kid. Probably, is that going to get you the circumstances you really wanted? So right. I, I, I'm kind yeah. of thinking of that, you know? And I think that's been one of those lessons that's been kind of hardest for me to internalize over the decades, you know. Oh, really? I made it. I made it to half a century. So you know, I, I like. I, I'm proud. I'm proud that I'm not dead yet. And you're like, looking great. Yeah, me. <laughs> I did it. You know, but um, I, I try. It, it's really easy to give lip service to the whole, I, I accept what other people want to do and what they're doing. It's way harder to internalize that and not be judgmental. And, and I'm definitely a judgmental person. I, I guarantee, you know, I'm probably going to be among the more judgmental people you meet. The most important thing is that, you know, yeah, you work on trying to change that inside, but if you can at the very least muzzle the exterior uh, consequences of that that's a good start at least don't screw things up for other people just because you're messed up inside you know and uh my girlfriend has actually been really important for me in that way not necessarily uh, trying but just because we're very different people like i think anybody who knows both of us or who knew both of us before we got together probably were like what <laughs> you know, like, how are they, how did that happen? Because we're, we're totally different people and we've been together, you know, 10 years hey, well. and it's been a struggle. It's been a trial. Sometimes it's really, really difficult, but that is an incredibly useful learning process as well. And it's helpful because I'm head over heels in love with her. I'm going to do anything I can to make that work. So I get this side benefit of i have a really good reason to work on this mm. you know and that spills over into other things because yeah we're we're totally different we are totally different and and every like uh, there's some overlap in terms of like you know political and and social leanings we're, we're pretty well aligned religious very different oh. um Culturally, you know, like taste in music, taste in movies, taste in TV shows, totally different. You know, it, it's a struggle. We'll find something we both want to see. And it's like, okay, we're focusing on this. You know, <laughs> this is the show we're watching until we're done with it. And then we got to find another show. Like, what are we going to do? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, like she, I, I will live on horror movies. She will never watch a horror movie. 
You know, like even something as basic as that. That's, I mean, you've seen my stream. There, it's pretty important to me. Yeah, there's, <laughs> you know, like that, that's my so aesthetic. Many that, that's, you know, yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's tricky. You know, we we try to find ways of meeting each other in the middle. But to me, that's so valuable because I can bring that across to other, you know, to other relationships with other people. Um, and I'm lucky. I was just, I've been so lucky in so many ways, but I got very lucky to um, fall in love with someone who loves me back, despite the fact that we're super different people. Oh, wow. And, you know, it gives us something to work on. Like we, we, we need, we both need to put a lot. I mean, sometimes it's like, sometimes you're like, uh, love shouldn't be this hard, right? <laughs> like it really shouldn't be this hard. And I think it's true. Maybe it shouldn't. But that doesn't mean that it can't be, you know, that doesn't mean that it means it's wrong and maybe you should find the easy thing. But like, I think maybe people don't I'm still like, on, oh, you know, like uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm still on really good terms with uh, my, you know, my daughter's mother. Mm -hmm. um, when we, when we separated, we, we figured everything out as best we could. Like the most important thing is try to disrupt the kid's life as little as possible. And it was still one of the hardest things I ever did, yeah. you know? Um, it's still one of the things that haunts me is like my kid's reaction when we told them what was going to happen. Oh, man. Um, it's just gut-wrenching. Like I still think about it like every other day. It's like, uh, I hate that I did that to somebody, you know, at the same but, time, what could you have done differently? Really? Well, exactly. I, you, Cause the alternative was, uh, a lot of people make what I consider to be that mistake of, well, we'll just like stick it out until they leave for college or something like that, you know? And it's just yeah. like, um, could be you know, my ex example. had a really good point about that was uh, if we do that, we're also just kind of giving the wrong idea of what a relationship should be, you know, and like, you, you don't necessarily want to mess up. You know. So yeah, that's I think tough, we made the right decision, but it was sometimes you're in a situation where even the right decision is going to be bad and it's going to break some things. And it's the Kobayashi I bad about that, but it was the right thing. It was the right thing to do. And, you know, again, we're like, okay, here's all the things we need to make you understand. First of all, you don't have to move. You're not changing schools. You don't need to, you know, say goodbye to any of your friends. Uh, her mom literally moved into an apartment like three blocks away. And it's like, you're going to get, you're not going to lose your room. You're going to get a, a different room, another room at the other place. And, you know, you can go to either place, you know, we'll switch back and forth. And that we made good. it work as best we could, but we stayed friends. And that was the other thing. It was like, we're ending this before we hate each other. That's and then the kid suffers because of that. You know, so, I mean, literally now it's just like, you know, I'll get a text message be like, Hey, any chance, you know, you can pick something up for me on the way home from work and drop it off. And it's like, yeah, sure. No problem. You know, like it, it's, it's, it's what it should be for what it is. But the reason I brought it up really was because, uh, she and I were very alike in a lot of these ways that my current girlfriend and I are so different mm. and it didn't work out. So just because some of those things are easy doesn't mean that it it should be. You know what I mean? 
I think that could be a huge mistake as well that a lot of people seem to have as a, as an idea is that you're supposed to be very similar or compatible if you want to. But I think the term compatible, you're not really sure all the time what actual compatibility is. You might be compatible because you are opposites. And although some of those basic day to day things are probably going to grind on you a little bit with an opposite. Yeah. I don't feel like, again, there, there's an intangible quality to love and relationships that I don't think can be explained that easily. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that is, uh, you know, if that's biochemical or if that's something else, but yeah. it does seem to be the case. If you click, hey, you might have some of these issues because it is what it is. That might be what you need. And you, again, are an right. individual. You're not a copy and paste of somebody else. And so right. these common general guidelines maybe aren't going to fit and the fact that it would seem like you two are so much alike it's going to work so well well who said you needed to be alike and i i think that makes i think a lot it of depends sense. on your personality type so you could get two people who are very much alike and they happen to be the kind of person where that's exactly what each other need and it's going to work out great but you might have somebody who's going to be better off being challenged on the little things and isn't going to, you know, like that's one of the problems I have with, um, it's not really a problem I have with it, but I'm a little bit skeptical of, uh, you know, like dating services and things where the idea is you fill out a personality profile and they find somebody that, you know, 97% same answers for some people that's perfect Mm -hmm. for other people. That's the kiss of death. And they may not know that that's the kiss of death. So, and it's probably for most people, that's probably a good thing that, yeah. you know, you, you are as close as possible in all these different ways, because then there's fewer stumbling blocks. And the idea is that we've paved the way as much as possible. So there's fewer things you have to fight against in order to make the relationship work. I think that's a valid um, strategy, sure. provided you understand that it's not going to work for everybody. That's it. So I would say, you know, if you're the kind of person that's like you keep getting matched with people that are the same same interests as you and everything seems to be working out but nothing ever seems to fully gel could be you know you just got to keep trying in the same thing but it could also be maybe you're the kind of person that doesn't you know was never going to be able to click with somebody who's that similar to yourself um your best bet might be if you have two perfect narcissists that are almost exactly like perfect. You've got, you know, that's a match made in heaven. Um, They'll understand each other well. Right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I don't mean that as a judgment call. Uh, If you're a narcissist, great, more power to you. Find somebody who is as much like you as possible, who also is a narcissist and wants to be, wants to be with somebody who's as much like them as possible. Fantastic. That's a recipe for success. I think that that would be great. But um, uh, maybe that's most people. I don't even know. It's like the know. story of uh, Narcissus and the uh, and the the brook or lake that he used to uh, yep. look at himself into, staring into the water until yeah. he would finally drown. And then uh, the whatever the the forest nymphs or was it the goddesses? I can't remember who came up. They're like asking, "Oh, do you miss the the river? You must really miss Narcissus. He was so beautiful. You would know best because he spent so much time next to you." He was like, "Oh, was was he? Did he look good? I really just <laughs> I I loved seeing uh, the reflection of myself in his eyes." You know, so I guess, you know, the two narcissists awesome. would, would work well together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. So the, the parenthood thing, let's go all the way back. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> parenthood. So you, you said you wanted so, to be a dad. Well, this is fantastic though. We I wanted do to be not a dad, but I wanted to that. be a hands-on 
yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't want to be an absent parent. And again, uh, you know, I had parents who were not around as much as they wanted to be. Uh, so it may well just easily boil down to that. That may be why it was. But I had specific ideas of why would I want to have a kid and then never see the kid? Like, what, what would be the point of me being at work all the time when there's this kid? I'm missing all of the young development, all the interesting stuff. So the plan was always when we have a kid, my wife at the time would keep working and I would be the stay-at-home dad. And I was all over that. I loved that idea. Um, and so I basically saved up as much as I could for... I was at that job out of college, like nine years plus, nine and a half years, something like that. Nine and a half years. Of and saved up as much as I could. And my last day at that job was two days before the kid was born. And then that was it. I stayed home for, I made it, uh, the money ran out after about five years. And then I wasn't real. Like I made it to the point where, okay, now they're going into kindergarten but I didn't feel like, like they also weren't ready to go into kindergarten. Like socially, it was like not a great oh, situation. Okay. So I was like, if I can make this last longer and, you know, stay home for a while longer, I will. And, uh, I, I kind of lucked into, um, that was, that was my career as a semi-professional vegan baker. Like that's where it goes um, off on a, on a tangent again. Like, you know, the, this is what yeah, I love about your uh, stories. There were, there were, you were like, Vegan we were in the States, then we were in Australia, like, then we, you know, then I was at this yeah, business. Yeah, it's all over the place. And but, when, uh, when you yeah, were working, were may I ask too. what the job was, uh, the job out of college? Uh, yeah, uh, it was kind of a lot of different things. It kept changing, oh. um, which, you know, for me is kind of ideal. Uh, I, I get bored if I do the same thing, uh, you know, over and over again. Okay. So basically, I, I, I graduated from a very good school with a very bad degree. Uh, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> but I, yeah, I had a I had a split degree. It wasn't a double major. It was a split major because I couldn't hack a full computer science degree oh. in four years. I wasn't going to make it, um, and I was panicking because uh, you know we had no money. Uh, I was just like, uh, th after this, it, it's over. It was amazing. I was even at that school. I didn't even expect to go to any school because wow. we had. I'm not kidding. We had no money. <laughs> um, I spent what money I had on college applications shooting for the moon, assuming I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. I just wanted to see if I could get in. Like that was my college money was I'm just going to spend it on applications because I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Um, but it turns out I got in everywhere I applied Whoa. and I was applying to places that had a lot of money and they were like, uh, well, we've determined that you have no money, but you could take out this much in loans and we'll just pay the rest. I was like, oh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm not kidding. My cheapest college option would have been Harvard. Wow. Well, because <laughs> they had the well most done. money to give me. They had the most money to give me. And uh, I still love this. I went to, you know, you, uh, I don't know how it's done. I, I kind of know how it's done now because, you know, my kid it was a few years ago. But uh, certainly when I applied to colleges, there was no online application. You're filling out paper and you're sending it in. There's lines at the post office, you know, to get it in by the, the post postmark date. Um, but you had to get recommendations from, you know, teachers and counselors and stuff like that. And I went to the counselor in my school, my counselor, 
and said, uh, I need, you know, I need a letter of recommendation for, for Harvard. And she lost it. She just like blew up. She's like, how am I going to write 15 letters of recommendation for Harvard? You know, how am I going to tell Harvard that our school has 15 people who should all be going to Harvard, you know? And I was like, whatever, you know, lady, that's your problem. I'm, I'm I'll be over here. Whatever you got to do, you know? And then it turned out I was the only one who got in and then I turned them down and she hated me for it. Oh no. <laughs> she hated me for that. And it was, uh, it was kind wow. of amazing. Kind what of changed amazing. your mind? I never really wanted to go there. I just wanted to see if I could get in. <laughs> and you can apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got in, but um, it would, it wouldn't have been a good match for me. It wouldn't oh, have been okay. Okay. So you got um, out with a split degree, computer science and split degree, something? computer science and uh, English literature. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What a combo. Uh, my, my degree literally says bachelors of science in humanities and engineering. That's, that's that is excellent. literally what is on the, it that gives you both sides you of the coin in my opinion. What it does. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, I feel just, like it, people look at that and they're like, next, you know, uh, except <laughs> so I sent out, it must've been like, I don't know, 50, 50 applications and, uh, nothing. Okay. Um, I think one of the applications went through a placement agency, which I didn't know. And they called and like, come in, we'll talk to you. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what we, and I went in, they interviewed me. And at the end of that, I was like, yeah, they're never calling me again. You know, cause okay. the, the whole thing, they were just like, what, you know? <laughs> so eventually I got one call and this is after months of nothing. I'm, I'm literally, the only reason I'm alive is because PBS was showing bob ross every day oh. every day i get up i watch bob ross and i don't kill myself and it's like wow. okay moving on and so um Rest finally i get a call ross. from this company and i was like oh really you know and they're like uh you know do you want me to come in they're like we'd like you to come in for an interview and i said uh oh, really for the for the programming job and they're like oh no we would never hire you for a programming <laughs> job and i was like all right um so what then like well we have we just opened up this new thing that's it's basically an administrative position um but it would really help if you were somebody who uh you know could write uh understands people and also understands technology because the pro you know, it's like a tech company um and you're gonna have to deal with a lot of people you're gonna need to understand like if wow. we put somebody in who's just good with people that doesn't know the tech that's not gonna work so uh we thought you might be a good match and I was like, uh, yeah, I'll come in. Yeah, I don't care what it is. I mean, at this point, money is almost gone, you know. Wow. So I went in, I completely aced that interview. Like uh, everything about that interview, I was like, really? That's what you, uh, I've done that. I know how to, do, you know, like it was just very lucky. And I got called back for a second interview with, uh, you know, basically the people who ran the company. And I aced that interview too. And I was like, this is, this is amazing, you know. And so they called me and said, we'd like to offer you the position. Um, there's a catch, which is we're moving. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. I didn't have a car. I didn't even have a valid license. I had an expired out of state license. I was only interviewing at places that were accessible by public transportation, including this place. But they were, they were like in 30 days, we're moving to this remote suburb and you're going to have to have a car. 
And I was like, well, first I got to get a license, but I mean, sure. Uh, like the, the amount they offered me, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough above what I figured out my bare minimum was where I ran the numbers and I'm like, I think I can afford car payments on top of, you know, I think this would work out. Hmm. Um, but I was like, well, I'll get back to you. Like, I, I definitely want the job, but I'm going to have to find out what I need to do to get a license and then a car. It was, wow. it was, it was a process. Wow, that's a lot. Um, well, it turns out in my state, it's incredibly easy. My adopted state, it's incredibly easy to get a license. Okay. Uh, I, I literally went to the registry of motor vehicles and got in line. I mean, there were no websites. There was no such thing. I got, <laughs> I got in line and I got to the front and they said, what do you need? And I said, I have an expired out of state driver's license. I need a valid in-state driver's license. What do I need to do? And they said, you need to give me $60 and then go right there and have your picture taken. There and I said, is. that's amazing. So literally, you know, I got the job offer on Friday night, Monday morning, I had a license. Nice. There was no test of any kind. Fantastic. No road test, no written <laughs> test, no eye test, even nothing. Wow. They just took my picture and handed me a license. And to this day, 30 years later, more than 30 years later, I have never taken any test in this state for a license. <laughs> well, let's every time I go to renew it, they're like, just here you go. Here's your there license. Pay us money, take your license, you're done. <laughs> Which explains why nobody in this state can drive. There it is. <laughs> uh, it's super dangerous to drive here. But uh, on the plus side, it was really easy for me to, yeah. So then I had to like buy a car without having a job and uh, I, had, I got a really terrible rate on an auto loan and you know, all this stuff. <laughs> My first paycheck showed up the day before rent was due and we were completely out of money. Wow. Like nothing left. Rent paycheck rent. showed up. Yeah. It was perfect timing. Like we used everything we had to get that car so that I could get the one job offer, <laughs> the one job that was offered to me. And then it, you know, it all, it all worked out. And then wow. I was able to make my student loan payments and paid them off in 10 years and, you know, and it just kept going from there. That's great. But yeah, so I, I, I started out doing, uh, basically coordinating the four month to six month long installation process of, uh, a cancer treatment system, a computer-based wow. cancer treatment system for brain cancer that used, uh, focused radiation, um, and 3D modeling back when you couldn't do it on a phone, uh, back when you needed an $80,000 workstation that was the size of a small refrigerator wow. to do real-time 3D planning. Uh, that's what we sold. So the system cost a quarter of a million dollars. That's incredible. And so a hospital would basically say, we want this system. The salespeople would get a huge, um, you know, uh, get a huge check. Like and yeah. then it was up to me to call the hospital and say, okay, here's everything we need to do to get the system installed at your place. And then I would send engineers over. I'd, they'd have to take scans off their medical scanners, the CAT scanners, the MRI scanners, send them into us. We'd have to write software that would be able to translate that into our software. And, you know, it was a whole thing. We had to, and they had to take measurements by scanning a device um, so that we could prove to the FDA that, we were within, you know, sub millimeter because yeah, you, you don't want to irradiate the wrong thing in the brain, you know, all yeah. that, all that fun stuff. There's a lot of so that was basically serious. my job. Yeah. Yeah. That wow. was basically my job is like a hospital paid us money for this thing. 
which was many things actually. You know, it was a bunch of medical equipment, a bunch of computer equipment, custom software, all that stuff. A lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of yeah. places where that process can break down. And they said, we need to hire somebody who can just stay on top of these 40 hospitals all of whom who have different equipment, you know. So that was my job oh, for nice. for the first few years, and then I got sick of that, <laughs> uh, mostly because the salespeople kept selling the system to hospitals who didn't own the equipment to actually use it, and oh. then I had to deal with all that fallout. And then they, you know, they'd send me scans from a machine that we had no software that could work with it, and they're like, "Well, we paid you a quarter of a million dollars, make it work." And you know, I just like too much stress. It sucked. Hated it. And um, actually wound up randomly hearing on the radio an ad for the local um, arts newspaper, okay, uh, which I was a fan of. And um, they needed they needed a, basically an IT person who dealt uh, with Macintosh stuff, which is me. I, I deal with all Mac stuff, and so I, you know, applied there and uh, interviewed, and they offered me the job. And uh, I told the company, the medical company I was working for, that I was leaving. And they basically said, what can we do so that you do not leave? <laughs> I was like, well, first of all, I can't be doing the same job because it's killing me. And they're like, we will find something else for you to do. We don't want you to go. Well, there you go. And I was like, all right, well, that's pretty cool. And you know, so they gave me this big raise and they let me work on different things. And, and uh, you know, so I ended up turning down the the arts newspaper job, which turned out to be a good thing because that that paper folded well, uh, eventually. But also, the main reason I didn't take it honestly was because it was the arts newspaper. I mean, th this was the the newspaper where I I would read this every week, and this was the the first week I was in Boston. I think uh, the, the copy of this was in the this, the lounge of my dorm hall, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. This is like the Chicago Reader, but Boston is the Boston Phoenix. And, um, you know, they're like, here's all the concert listings. And I'm like, Public Image Limited is playing at the Orpheum tonight. Um, I go to the RA and I was like, Chris, how hard is it to get to the, the Orpheum <laughs> on public transportation? And he's like, it is incredibly easy to get to the, to the Orpheum on public transportation. And so I just went. I was like, okay, tell me how to get there. And I went and I just found a scalper and paid money and I got tickets. And that was my first concert in Boston. And oh, it was amazing. It was public, public, public Image Limited and Flush for Lulu, who I didn't know at the time, but I'm still a fan of them, even though they, they're, they're long gone. Um, okay. But, you know, so like to me, the Boston Phoenix was Boston. Like as soon as I got to Boston, I was like all about the Boston Phoenix. And I went and interviewed there and it was really corporate. Um, I was okay. expecting it to be super laid back and, you know, they're, they're introducing me to all the writers and I know all these writers names from the paper and everything, but you know, they're all like dressed for the office and they're working on outdated equipment. And, you know, it seemed like management wasn't really, uh, super nice to the talent. And then the, the, the final straw for me was, um, they said I couldn't wear skate shoes to the office at the art paper yeah the arts newspaper they're like you have to wear like regular shoes like you know hmm. leather regular office type shoes you can't wear uh, sneakers and so i was like this is probably not where i want to be then so, no. i mean i literally still wear 
skate shoes every day, even though I haven't set foot on a board in years. You know, so, it's just like it, it. It's just a thing. I, you know, my board is still in my car. <laughs> it's there whenever I need it. Every once in a while, I do need it, and it's like, why did I stop doing this? This is so great. I love this. But the main reason I stopped doing it is because, uh, you know, you can't raise a baby with a broken wrist. Yeah. It's yeah, not easily. Keeping, keeping yourself So a, a lot of yeah. skateboarding dropped down. I mean, we still got video of, um, you know, when my daughter was not even two. You know, there, there's some some camcorder footage of me, you know, popping kickflips at, at the, at the uh, tennis courts while, while uh, they were playing in the you know, playing in the sand kind of yeah. thing. And, um, but eventually I was like, I need to be a lot more careful yeah, about things. Cause you know, somebody's sense. relying on me and I can't, yeah. Cause I've broken enough bones over the years where like, I know, I know what happens when you break a bone. <laughs> um, you can't do the same things. For I got a while. <laughs> broke this hand. Oh boy. And I got really good at typing with my left hand yes. when I broke this hand. And then, uh, my kid, as a baby, refused to sleep unless they were being held. So I got really good at having a sleeping baby here and typing one-handed with this hand. And it turns out this is really helpful. You can, if you can type one-handed with either hand, uh, that, that's a really useful skill. And I use it all the time, certainly for Twitch. Because <laughs> I'm just yeah, like, eh, absolutely. But yeah. Um, I have no idea what we were talking about. Yeah, no, I know. it's okay. No, it, it, that's kind of how that goes, though. Like, this is it's the, fine, right? No, it's totally fine. Actually, that's kind of the point. You know, we we, we were meant to go in a, a lot of different directions. Uh, I I feel like there was there's so much there um, that I I I appreciate um, because it's not one sided. The story is not one sided. Um, like you're saying, even with your school your degree was not one-sided, you know, it's like, okay, I really am yeah. into English literature. I'm really into this. We don't necessarily have to be fitting into this particular box because the job you got yeah. actually worked really well for that. And then, although yeah. it was difficult, I'm, I'm interested. There's a million questions I could ask you. I know we've been sitting here for a little while though, so I don't think I'll keep That's bugging you, but, but I got nowhere to be for another two hours. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to keep you on here for two hours, but just so you know, I don't, I don't have to jut off anywhere. So. No, me neither. You know, I always clear the, I always clear the the schedule when there's a podcast because I, I don't want to rush the person who I'm talking to, especially if there's so many, it's, it's tough to, to tell all your stories, you know, quickly, especially since yeah. there's so much nuance to them. But yeah. And then just the, the logistics of all of these things is interesting how you, you put the the business side of it together, which is even if you're not running your own business or we're, you know you're working in a business, I do feel like uh, finance is kind of your personal business in a sense. Like as yeah. a person, you, we are handling finance in some way or another, um, and you seem to find your ways through that. And like I think where we were at was that you had decided you were you know you you, you wanted to raise your your child, be at home. That was the plan. Um, but yeah. by the time the, you know, the money had run out, you were feeling like, oh, this is, this is still, I would still like to continue this. And you switched over to vegan baking and became a semi-professional vegan baker, which is a whole nother, a whole nother story. And I guess a thing that you were able to do yeah. at home. How did that, how did that end up being? Yeah. Well, the reason it's semi-professional <laughs> was because uh, I got paid for it, just not legally. Uh, <laughs> because and i tried to do it legally i tried to do it legally i did all the research of what i would need to do because i, I the reason this even happened was because i'm a good baker 
and uh, and I happen to be vegan, and I was good at making vegan cakes, pies, cookies, anything, anything but brownies. For some reason, brownies was like my Achilles heel. I can never make decent vegan brownies. Now I make amazing ones. Like it just took me forever to find a recipe that really worked for me. But um, um, pretty much all of my friends were musicians, kind of still are, uh, which is weird because I'm not a musician. But so there'd be a lot of after parties. I knew a lot of people in bands, there'd be after parties, um, you know, and I would, I would bake things and bring them. And so, so cool. I kind of got known as the guy who makes these amazing cakes and brownies and things like that. And um, at some point, that kind of bled over into some of the local vegan restaurants found out that I, I was a vegan baker and they were literally bringing stuff in across state lines. They were like driving to New Hampshire to a vegan bakery in New Hampshire, buying cakes, driving all the way back and then selling slices in the restaurant. And they're like, we hate doing that. Can we just pay you to make cakes for us? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Let me find out what I need to do to do that legally. And it turns out the only way to do it legally was to go broke doing it because uh, you needed so many different licenses. I would have had to get my my personal kitchen um, like up to code qualified as a commercial kitchen. Oh. Like I would have literally had to bring the state in to say this is now a commercial kitchen. Like I would have had to replace every you know, like there was no way to do it legally. And I was looking for all kinds of loopholes because they're like, we have all these exceptions. You can totally sell homemade baked goods uh, if you're a church. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem, I mean, like if your concern is public safety and health, and how does that, why factor? does that make a difference? You know, <laughs> and obviously that's not really what they're concerned about. So eventually <laughs> um, it was like, okay, just don't, you know, if anyone asks, I bake these here. If anyone asks, I'm baking these in your kitchen, you know, uh, and they're like, yeah, we got it. It's cool. You know, so there were a couple of restaurants that did this. Um, there was a local um, vegan Thai restaurant, oh. which had two locations. One is still open in Chinatown here. And actually, funny story, a couple of years ago, after not having gone there, I went in there. The, the reason that I stopped baking for the one that I had been baking for was I went and dropped off some cakes one day and I'm like, I know I still owe you one more cake. It's not done yet. I'll bring it tomorrow. And they're like, okay, that's cool. I came by the next day with the cake and the restaurant was shut down. Oh, wow. And not just closed. All the furniture was out on the curb. Whoa. Nobody said and anything to you. Like, you just kind of just showed up and they were gone. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they owed me like several hundred dollars and they just like gone in the night. I was like, that's well, okay, I learned a lesson there. But many years later, many years later, I'm uh, entertaining people in town and uh, we happened to be near Chinatown and I was like, well, this uh, vegan Thai restaurant that is the, you know, the, the sister of the one that I used to bake for is still there, still open. Let's go get lunch. And we went there and we're eating there and the owner comes over to me and he's like, I can't believe it's you. You know, this is like easily 15 years later. He's like, I can't believe it's you. I owe you money. Here's a check. Wow. And I was like, all right. Okay. He's like, yeah. When the place shut down suddenly, I didn't have your number and nobody had your number. And I was asking the vegetarian society and they gave me a number and I was like, well, they wouldn't know me cause I don't know any of them. Uh, so they apparently thought I was someone else and they gave them the wrong number. Uh, 
But he, he was like, I'm so happy that you're here. Here's a check of the money I owe you. I'm like, that's awesome. And he's like, I don't suppose you're still baking. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore because I, I was literally baking 14 hours a day. That's a lot. Um, yeah, every day. Not, baking not five is serious. Days a week. Cakes particularly? 14 hours a day, every day, just to make enough to stay home for another couple of years. And it was not easy. Um, oh. If you... If you want to make money at baking, you either have to cut a lot of corners, which I wasn't willing to do. Like I could have made, I could have made it work by making cakes that weren't as good. But the whole point for me was making good stuff. So, but fundamentally, also people aren't going to pay sixty dollars for a birthday cake. Yeah, you know. But I was yeah. using ingredients that were expensive and good, and I was making one thing at a time. I wasn't making like fifty cakes and freezing them. And then thawing them as the orders came in. I was like, I'm never freezing anything. Everything's made fresh from scratch to be delivered on the day you specify. You know, that was my thing. That was what I wanted to do. Highest possible um, quality. Yeah, it just means that you're not gonna. I mean, I always, I was always more about, um, you know, back in the '90s. 97, I had a website that kind of took off and I was internet famous before there was such a thing as internet famous. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I had something like 30,000 30, viewers a day. All right. Uh, at, its, at its height. And uh, people wanted merchandise. And so I was like, I'm going to make t-shirts, but they're going to be really good t-shirts. They're not going to be crappy merch t-shirts that you know they give you at trade shows. And so I did my research and I found this amazing place in Rhode Island, like 45 minutes away. And... Uh, I was like, here's the design. It's photorealistic. It was a 3D rendering I did myself of the logo. And uh, it had like specularity. It was like made of glass so you could see things through it and the light diffracted oh. around it and everything. I was like, I want this reproduced on a t-shirt as best as possible. What do you recommend? Because I heard you're the best at this. And they said, well, it's basically a two color design. You know, it's basically red and shades of white, you know, gray to black. Um, so we could get away with doing two inks two color inks and just, you know, half toning it all the way down. I'm going to recommend we use 12 inks, nice. <laughs> different shades of red and pink and different shades of white and gray all the way down to black to make this look as good as you want it to look. And I said, let's do that. And, you know, they use like the best quality t-shirts and they're doing this ridiculous thing. So, I still have a basement full of them <laughs> because okay. this wasn't like a print on demand thing. This was, all right, order a bunch, stuff them in the car, drive them back home, keep them in your basement and hopefully people buy them. And then the website lasted for, until like 2003 and I just couldn't keep it up anymore. It's still up now, actually. Really? It's in reruns. So okay. I, I put it back up because people kept emailing me about it. So now you can go there and see what was posted because it, it updated daily. So now it's like, Here's what was posted literally 25 years ago. Wow. <laughs> and it just, so you see what was happening every day 25 years ago. This um, is kind of cool. But I mean, yeah, like even with the t shirts, I was like, I want the t shirts, I want the stickers to be as good as possible. So for some things, I really insist on quality. And for other things, it's just like, I don't care. <laughs> May I ask, what was this show? What was this site? Uh, like, what were you doing? This was. Um, it's kind of a long story. It wouldn't make sense to most people these days, I feel. Oh, okay. Um, let, me, let me give you some historical context. Okay. Uh, in 1997, I broke my ankle skateboarding. Okay. And so I was laid up. Uh, not laid up, laid up. I was still going to work. But 
when I was at home, I was basically sitting down with my leg elevated. And so I had a lot more time to work on starting a consulting and like a, a computer consulting business, okay. which was called Infozar Productions. That's oh. where the name comes from. 1997, I registered the, the domain name. And at the time I was really enamored of this one particular game that had a very uh, stark, like Russian military propaganda sort of look and feel. And so I had a logo that I designed that was like an eyeball, basically an eye with an, like an X as the cross, as, as the iris. Yeah. And uh, everything was red and black and white. And um, I, you know, I registered the domain name and I got my, my email address all set up and I set up a website and everything. And I was doing uh, so whatever people needed, I was doing web programming, uh, you know, web interface to database backends back before anybody had database backends, wow. custom database work, all this kind of thing, uh, graphics work. A lot of people just wanted me to do 3D art and turn them into animated GIFs because this is back when animated GIFs uh, were just starting to be a thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was Amazing. when I started. Uh, that was another income sort of thing. Gotcha. people would be like, I need your help with this general computer type thing that I don't understand how, how to do it. And so uh, I still have the domain name. That's amazing. I still have the email address. I still have the website, which I now use for Twitch. Uh, so for instance, the uh, thing I wrote in your stream that pulls up the random uh, crime person. That, yeah, that's, that's hitting Infozar.com. Infozar.com, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So that's why that exists. That's why my Twitch name is terrible. <laughs> because I just use it because nobody's ever taken it. That's the thing. If you're signing up to a service that has, you know, 12 million users, you try typing your name in, it's taken. We suggest mm. using your same name, but misspell it and add a 664 at the end of it. And it's yeah, like, it's no, awful. I don't want to deal with that. So I didn't think I was ever going to be streaming on Twitch. I just needed an account so I could uh, type wise ass comments for uh, during the pandemic. Um, there's a local theater that used to do a thing once a month called trash night and you go to the theater which sold beer i don't personally drink alcohol but you know you have a, a theater full of people who are all drunk rowdy hilarious and you're watching a terrible movie and everybody's just shouting awesome things at the screen it's basically your stream but with bad movies instead of bad comics fantastic and when the pandemic happened and shut that down, they moved it onto Twitch, which I didn't know anything about. But I knew, okay, wow. I have the address. I went there. And I'm like, this is great. They're showing the movie on Twitch. Everybody in chat is typing the same wise-ass comments. I can't type unless I have an account. I'm going to create an account. And I just use the same name I always use for these things. And that's why I have a terrible uh, Twitch username. It's good. <laughs> no, but that's a good. That's not a terrible name then because it's an excellent story. And that's the thing. Okay, it goes, well, fair enough. Now we can go back... And watch now we can go back and talk about ago. the website, right? Yeah, we can talk about the <laughs> so website. So the website back in back in 1997, Apple was circling the drain. That's true. Uh, everybody We're was going waiting under. for Apple to yeah to go out of business, and every single news story that had anything to do with Apple at all always was painted in the um, light of and the company is about to go out of business. They used to be way up here and now they're about to go out of business and we're all just waiting for it, you yeah. know? And so I was messing around with HTML. This is before CSS existed. I mean, 
I had this weird idea of, hey, they've just introduced the ability to have table cells have a color as a background. Yeah. Okay. All right. Nice. So here's my idea. Instead of putting up a graphic file, is it possible to make a table cell, huge table of code where every single cell is one pixel by one pixel with a colored background and make a picture just using code, HTML go. table cell. It's a terrible idea, but <laughs> I was laid up with a broken foot, broken leg. And so I had all the time in the world to try this. And the answer is yes, you absolutely can. Of course. Uh, and also your browser will hate you for it and your computer will crash, <laughs> but you can do it. Yeah, you can totally do it. But that turned into me being sick of reading all this news about Apple uh, about to be going out of business, even when it was good news. You know, it was like, oh, they just did this thing. It was really good, uh, but they're going to go out of business anyway. <laughs> so it was a soap opera. It was very much a soap opera. It was just, you know, people waiting. You know, everything was painted doom and gloom uh, about everything. And, you know, in many cases, rightfully so. But I got sick of it. And so I decided I'm going to make a satire. Yeah, I, I said, I'm going to make a satire website. I'm going to make a website where it's just going to highlight three news stories about Apple every day because there were plenty to choose from. Okay. And um, I'm going to write about it as if it's a soap opera. Oh. And I'm going to call the website as the Apple turns. And it's going to look, <laughs> I'm going to use the weird code I wrote so that I'm going to reproduce the windows are actually going to look like Mac windows. Wow. And I did. And that's what I did. And it weirdly took off among weird Apple people, of which I am one. So <laughs> all the Mac people who are like just waiting for, you know, the end of the end of the era, um, loved, loved what I was doing. And it started out as just like a couple of melodramatic sentences with, you know, a link to this, this article, but it was just, it was snark. It was snark. You know, that was what the thing was. And it caught on and it just turned into like a bigger and bigger thing. And eventually I was writing 1500 words a day nice. of humor and commentary about what was going on with Apple. And there was always drama with Apple. So I never, you know, the well never ran dry for a while. It was literally 1500 words a day, including weekends, like every day. And, um, yeah, it, kept, it just got more and more traction. It led to me writing articles for uh, one of the bigger magazines at the time, which was Mac Addict Magazine. Um, they used to hire me to write the annual um, April Fool's pranks article. So I'd have to like come up with technical pranks to, to install on Macs and things like that and write it up. And um, it also it led to all kinds of weird things. I actually guest lectured at UCLA a couple of times. Really? Uh, remotely. Yeah, way before Zoom existed, obviously. This is when Apple just released, um, what the heck was it even called? iChat AV. Okay. And one of my readers was like, I teach a class at UCLA on new media. I would like you to do a guest lecture for my class, and I would like to do it over iChat AV. Can we try Amazing. it? I was like, yeah, sure. And it was awesome. I'm like looking at a class. You know, and I'd be like, uh, you know, somebody's raising their hand. I'm like, yeah, you in the in the striped shirt, third row, you know, and then you'd walk over with the camera and we'd be face to face. He'd ask me a question. I'd answer. I mean, we did this in this was like maybe the year 2000, 2001. And we were doing, wow. you know, what is, everybody is doing on Zoom now. But 
it was 20 years ago. What's happening? Um, it was fun. I, I got to do a lot of things. I got to speak at, you know, uh, conventions, conferences and things like that. I did a thing on like somebody wanted, wanted me to speak at a thing of like, you know, 10 uses for a dead Mac. <laughs> you know, I was just coming up with every, like I turned one into a pizza box that I brought with me with a pizza in it. And, you know, because the classic is turning the old ones into uh, uh, an aquarium, the oh. aquarium. It's like a real thing. Um, so I started with that and I just like took off from there, but yeah, I did, uh, like I was getting recognized in, I mean, it was one thing to be recognized in a computer store, which happened. Um, but I was like going to like music shows and people were coming up to me and they're being like, are you the guy that does this website? And I'm like, I don't need, it's my, it's not it's not a video site. Like I'm writing words. How do you even know what I look like? Like, why is this a thing? And it was like, That's because crazy. I'm wearing the t-shirt on the merch page. Uh, you know, I'm like, this is what the shirt looks like when you wear it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I recognize you from the, from the merch thing. Will you sign this? And it was like, this is really weird. Um, but it was cool. I mean, like literally when Apple first started opening stores, like I was covering that whole thing because everybody was like, they didn't have stores. You know, every, now everybody knows Apple stores. Uh, folks, Apple didn't have stores. They used to sell computers in Sears. That was where you got a Macintosh. You went to Sears or uh, uh, what was the other thing? CompUSA. Oh, CompUSA. You know? Okay. Remember that? Right. Uh, and they were always broken. You know, like, that was that was a big thing. We're like, nobody will ever understand how good these computers might be because you're selling them in crappy ways. And so that was one of the things Steve Jobs did was like, we need to fix this. We're going to open our own stores. Uh, so we used to go to the openings. You know, it'd be like the first store opening in the area, in the entire New England area is going to be in New Hampshire. I'm going to be there. And I'll bring some t-shirts just in case somebody, you know, but if you see me, say hi. You know, people would be like in line to get like autographs and things. I'm like, wow. this is really weird. This is really, really weird. But people were like coming up to me starstruck and things so it seems like I, I got plugged into just you, you plugged into the right thing at the right time right then it seems like and yeah maybe you were well this is something i'm finding interesting about a lot of your stories is it and that maybe you can i'm gonna ask you if you can give people advice on it actually in a way i know you don't give unsolicited advice but i will <laughs> well, ask if you if you have some 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 tips because uh this this gives me the impression that okay, it seems like if you're curious about something or have a strong interest in something, you've been able to explore it, learn about it, and find a creative way to express that in your own way. Like you're talking about this website, magic is another thing. Um, you know your your own the degree, trying to go to these schools, uh, music. I mean, it sounds like you've been in the the music scene a lot as well uh skateboarding and it, it seems like you've uh, you found a way like oh vegan baking that was another one like okay we found a way to okay you had your t-shirts for this you you did a, you took it to a far level same thing with the baking you seem to take it to a far level here you are on twitch with magic your your stream takes things to another level it's one of the reasons i like your stream is you've got so you you've got a lot of interactivity there's a lot of stuff going on there and you're taking it to another level so um, and that seems to be working for you, you know, that seems to be working for you as far as I can tell. So, you know, I think a lot of people kind are, of. have a hard time taking some of their interests and, 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 and following it to its furthest degree. So maybe 
you know, what, why do you think you were able to do, uh, so many of these different things? Uh, is it, is there areas that people could emulate or model them, model that, or is it really just, that's who you were and whatnot? I think a lot of it comes down to luck, to be honest, but also it's because, you know, you're, you're hearing about the things that worked out, Oh, that's <laughs> which true. is how it always, how it always happens. Right. You know, like success I, I think, bias. Yeah, exactly. It's just, um, there's, there've definitely been things that I've started that I've then just been like, I can't make this work. I'm bailing, you know? Um, the most important thing to me is that I have a really terrible attention span. Uh, I get bored with things really quick. Fair enough. So I'm always, I think, trying to change things. Here, here's an example. Back when I was doing websites for people, like as part of the whole Invozar Productions thing, the first time I made a, a, like a PHP-based uh, website with a, um, you know, a MySQL backend <laughs> and got it working and it all worked great and everything, that was great. I was, you know, going great guns. I, I built this thing myself. I put it all together. Uh, they were super happy with it. And then uh, somebody else wanted me to do the exact same thing for them. And I just couldn't make myself do it. I mean, I accepted the job and I eventually had to tell them, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I was just so, I didn't want to do it again. I didn't want to do it. Like, it was just like, I'm doing the same thing. I just, like, it was exciting then because I had never done it before. And it was a challenge because I, I'd never done it. And I didn't know how to do it. And I had to make my own solution for that. And then when I knew how to do it, it was like, this isn't very interesting. And, you know, the website wasn't interesting. The, the group I was putting it together for wasn't interesting. And, and so I just, I couldn't just make myself do it for the paycheck. If I were hungrier, I would have done it uh, for sure. Like, I, I think it's great. It can, it, you know, it can be a great motivator. Obviously, if you need that paycheck, you're, you're going to make it work. You're going to hmm. make it happen. But in this case, I wasn't hungry enough to take, to finish that job. Um, okay. It was just not interesting to me. But I think when I think back, because again, I haven't really thought about a lot of this, but we're telling all these weird stories that I haven't thought about in ages. I think what I'm starting to realize maybe um, is going on is part of it is that I, I have no attention span and I get bored doing the same things twice. So when I do have to do the same thing again, I'm usually changing it in a way, trying to make it more interesting and or better. Mm. Um, but most importantly, I usually don't like doing something that somebody's already done because that, you know, it's done. I can just copy that. That's fine. You know, and, and if I need something, like if I need a piece of code to, to do something weird on my stream, and I know I have to write the script to do it. I can't just sit down and write the code. I, I don't have that facility, but I know enough about how it works where I can dig around online and be like, okay, here's somebody who did it that way. Okay, cool. I can figure out how to replicate that. You know, That's fine because it's in the service of, in the last time I had to do this, uh, making it so that if somebody uh, redeems channel points or cheers an exact certain number of bits, um, 
a tombstone pops up that shows how they just died, yeah. you know, and it's <laughs> random every time. Amazing. And I love that. And I was like, I want it to look etched into the stone. I want it to be their username. I want it to be the current date. And I want it to be a random cause of death selected from like these 50 stupid things I typed in. Nice. And I want all that to work automatically. So I don't have to do a thing. They just pay the points and it happens. And so, yeah, I had to dissect a lot of other people's code and be like, why isn't this working? This doesn't make any sense. Oh, it's because there's a space in there. So I had to do this really, I write terrible code. So anytime there's a space in the cause of death, I have to put it in as three X's. Oh. And then my code changes all the three X's back into a space when it shows up on the thing, because the command I'm using can't parse the spaces there it and is. I can't. I can't escape them out because of just the limitations of the software. So it's like, I get, I get drawn into these stupid things to fix. Okay. Yeah. Once I fixed it once, I'm not interested in fixing it again. I'm and I you. move on to another project, you know, but I, 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 sometimes I get a little bit too focused on the quality aspect. So something that I'm like, oh, this will take me 20 minutes a day. Like the original website was like, this won't take me more than 20, 30 minutes a day. Eventually, by the end, it was unsustainable because I was spending nine hours a day <laughs> writing content for that website <laughs> while I had a full-time job. You know, there it is. Um, well, actually, by then I didn't have a full-time job. That was when I was trying to raise a child, raise a toddler. And, and I would stay up all night after raising a toddler all day and try to stay up all night for nine hours writing content. And that was when it just burned out. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. The, there was literally a time when there was a Wikipedia page about me. <laughs> Doesn't exist now because I was the guy behind that website Whoa. and people thought I died. <laughs> people thought you died. <laughs> because I just ghosted that site. I couldn't, I didn't want to shut it down. I didn't want to go and admit to people, I can't do this anymore. I'm shutting it down. I kept thinking to myself, if I just, you know, in another day, I'll be okay and I can get back to it. And then that day stretched to a week, to a month, to a year, and I just left it behind. Yeah, it was over. Sometimes and people it's hard really to know. thought I died. <laughs> and I would find postings online of people that I didn't know who swear they knew me and said that I died. Wow. And so there were Wikipedia, there was a Wikipedia page about me that was like, uh, there's two things like, he may have died this way or this way, according to these people. And also we think he might've been fake Steve Jobs. There used to be a website called fake Steve Jobs where <laughs> you know, it was a satire of Steve Jobs and somebody, and I absolutely was not fake Steve Jobs. I think, <laughs> I think people know who it is now. I think if you go look it up, they're, they're like, it, it was definitely this person. But okay. for a while, nobody knew who it was and they thought it was me. Um, it's been a very weird and dumb life, to be honest. Like yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm happy with it. But when I say these things to you, I'm like, what? What is this life? What even happened? I don't understand. Like, like I'm hearing these words come out of my mouth, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> like, if you, I think there's a lot of beauty in that. There's a lot of beauty in that. Uh, yeah, know? maybe. To have it to have it go in a strange direction and let it be this weird road that that winds and turns and goes in whatever direction that, yeah. that happened well, to work I mean, for you at the time. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, so to your to your question about like what what would I tell people? How did I make this work? I don't know. I I, I don't know if it would work for anybody else. But I think I just get obsessed about 
doing the weird thing, maybe doing the thing that somebody hasn't done before, or at least doing the thing that, uh, in a way that somebody hasn't done it before, mm. you know? Um, and a lot of times it'll just be a joke that gets taken too far because that's, that's what I do is I take things too far. So, um, a good example of that was a pandemic project I had where, uh, I run every day. I run every day. I don't run as much at a time as I used to at my peak. I was running like a quarter marathon every night, but, um, now it's like maybe two, three miles, but I still run every day. Nice. I haven't missed a day in almost three years coming up on three years. January 1st, 2020 is when I started this streak. Well done. Uh, at least a mile every day. And for a long time in 2020, I ran one. Uh, would you like an example of how obsessive I am in 2020? <laughs> I ran every day and the grand total at the end of the year was exactly 2,222.22 miles. Wow. So like you were aiming for that it, clearly. <laughs> I planned it out. I planned it out. It was ridiculous. Like originally it was, um, I signed up to do a thing where you try to run. I don't remember what it was. It was like a hundred kilometers in three months or something. And then I was like way ahead of that. And then I was like extrapolating out. I was like, I think I can make 2000 miles by the end of the year. And then uh, I was going to pass that and I'm like, okay, new goal. 2222.22. Let's let's see if we can do it. All twos, but and I just like I'm watching December 31st. Stop right there. Okay, perfect. Put it into the spreadsheet. There's the total done. But what I was saying, that's not the obsessive part. I know it sounds like it is, but that wasn't it. <laughs> the obsessive part was uh I can't go I can't really be outside in the daylight. I am medically vampiric. Oh, wow. Um Rough. I've had things cut off of my skin, you know, oh. I'm, basically my doctor said, uh, did you know that everybody's skin has a set limit for how much ultraviolet radiation it can absorb before you basically start getting cancer? And I was like, oh. no, I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, you're there. Uh, <laughs> so you need to wear sunscreen all the time. I'm like, even if I'm inside, like, what if I'm at work? He's like, do you have a window in your office? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yep. Wow. Every two hours, sunscreen on. Uh, so instead I just bricked up the window at work, so, solved <laughs> that, that problem, that'll help. but yeah, so I used to run outside in the daylight, can't do that anymore. So I usually run at night, but running at night has its own problems, Can be dangerous. lighting, yeah. all that kind of thing. Uh, so mostly I was running on a treadmill, especially at the height of the pandemic when we did not know if it was safe to be running outside among people. I, you probably remember there were all these things like, oh, runners are leaving a trail of microbes behind them and infecting people. <laughs> so I was just like, I just don't want to deal with it. I've got a treadmill. I'm just going to run inside. And it was like an hour on the treadmill every night or whatever, but that's super boring. Okay. So I said, I'm going to watch horror movies while I run on the treadmill. And that works great. There it is. But then I had the dumb joke, the dad joke. I texted my daughter. I said, I watch horror movies uh, while I'm on the treadmill every night. I should start a blog called Running Scared. It's fantastic. I'm like, yeah, womp womp. It, it it's writes a dumb itself. Dad joke. It writes itself, though. Well, they immediately replied with, do it. Of course, do and it. I was like, no. See, I was just making it. Do it. And I was like, okay, fine. So... I made a blog called Running Scared, which was literally me reviewing the movies I watched every night while I was running on a treadmill. 
And that was unsustainable because again, if it were just a couple of paragraphs, knock it off, done, it's a dumb blog post, which is how it started. Uh, instead, it turned into, again, I'm spending four hours writing a review yeah. of a terrible movie. Yeah, it's funny like um, that. And I did like maybe 50 or something of them, and they're still up there. And I still I still send people the links to things because I can't remember if you were there when we were talking about Verotica, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I think it was in your chat. You, suggested, you suggested to look at it and say this is one of the worst movies. It was yeah. in your chat. Yeah, okay. was in I chat. was pretty yeah. sure it was in your chat, but I wasn't 100% sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, so Jamie was, was in the chat and, and, uh, so I posted in your chat, a link to my review of, of Veronica, the Glenn Danzig horror movie. <laughs> yeah. With Danzig, that's what got me singing mother. Yeah. I, I, I mother, remember that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I definitely recommend seeing it, but it's awful. It's really bad. Um, and I, I, I went back to it recently because I'm like, maybe I just missed it. Maybe I missed the joke. I don't think I did. I think it's taking itself really seriously. And I think uh, Glenn Danzig thinks it's a really good movie. Um, just yeah. terrifying. But I got to give you one example from this movie. Okay. Uh, I think the line in the review was something like, you know, the movie had an editor according to the credits, although there's no other indication of that fact. Okay. Um, Cause there's a scene, I swear <laughs> to God, it feels like they told the actress, okay, do this, keep doing this. Uh, basically she, uh, she's, she's like a Countess Elizabeth Bathory type character who likes to bathe in the blood of virgins to stay young and beautiful. Right. Got it. Yeah. This is, this is the level of the, movie we're talking about Fantastic. But, so she's gotten out of the giant uh tub of blood and she's standing in front of the mirror and she basically is standing admiring her her form in front of the mirror and then she'll like touch her face and she'll lean in and she'll come back and admire her form and then she'll touch her face and lean in and it keeps happening and I didn't know to cut. It, feel, it felt like you know she was told just keep doing this we'll get a lot of footage and we'll shoot, you know, we'll edit what, but they We're used it coverage. up. We're getting oh, coverage. <laughs> yeah. And they used but everything the whole thing she is, does I had times. to rewind. I had to rewind and time it. It's over a minute. It's over a minute. Whoa. No dialogue. And after a minute, they cut to a shot of her like handmaiden or something, basically looking at her doing this. And they cut back to her again. And then it goes on for another 20 seconds. It's just like. <sighs> So we're at 120 seconds. We're at, we're at, we're at 80. Okay, it's, that's it's bonkers. I can't figure it out. And, like, is, I, I, and I just don't understand what I'm looking at. There is something about that a juxtaposition between, um, <laughs> between like tr earnestly trying really hard and failing really bad to right to do this, and then you watch it and go like, is this like you just said? Is that serious? Were you really trying to do this? I mean, that's what it is with the comics as well, because I, I do feel like there's a crossroads between it's kind of awesome and maybe in the 50s it was awesome. But right, right now it's not awesome, <laughs> you know, so right. 
we can kind of yeah. we can kind of laugh and 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 make jokes and then you know some of the they they didn't they didn't flush everything out but that is that is farther than i i've really seen in a lot of movies what, what you're describing it's so weird it's so weird and, I, and you know again i did have to go back to it like a couple of years later just to because sometimes i i've definitely seen a movie and not gotten the joke or i've seen an episode of a show and been like that was the worst episode that they've ever made because i didn't get it and then i'd watch it again later and be like oh, okay I see it's basically self parody or something like that, you know, but this doesn't feel like it to me. And I went back to check and maybe I'm still missing the joke, but to me, it really feels like he really thought he was making a good movie. I think a lot of times it is that way. I think it is that way. A lot of the time with, with movies, you, everyone's making, you know, citizen Kane, everyone's filming citizen Kane on the day, you know, when you're on the set, it's like, Oh, we're all taking this real serious. And then, you know, that after the cutting room, it's it, it, the truth is yet to be seen. So, yeah, that yeah. happens. Yeah, yep, yep. but it is fun. But yeah. So. Uh, so, again, I, I yeah, I take things too far. Taking um, things too far. A, I don't know if it's a secret to success or if it's just, uh, you know, uh, I don't sleep. I don't. Uh, it's a problem. I should be sleeping way more than I do. That's I'm generally good. a very healthy person. And I generally take really good care of myself with the single notable exception. I'm really bad about sleeping enough and it's killing me. I mean, it's, you know, you look at the, in college, I was in, I was taking a psychology course because it fulfilled one of the humanities requirements. You know, uh, I figured that's a good course to take. And it turns out it was a good course to take because I learned a lot of stuff that I use in magic. Right. But, um, we had to do a term paper. We had to do like a big research paper. And I said, I'm going to do mine on sleep deprivation because I've already got all this firsthand knowledge. So I did all the research. And so I'm very aware at how much I'm damaging myself by not getting enough sleep. Oh, don't look man. it up. If you're the kind of person who doesn't get enough sleep and you're not likely to change that, don't look it up because uh, it's just going to make you depressed. Oh, you, man. you are killing yourself. <laughs> But I mean, aren't um, some people genetically predisposed into having less sleep and needing less sleep? Maybe yes. you're not dying as bad as I'm just hoping, yes. you know, I'm hoping you're okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure that is the case. Uh, but again, speaking of ways in which I differ greatly from my girlfriend, I will frequently, you know, for long periods of time, get between two and four hours of sleep a night. She needs like, I mean, eight is bare minimum. Like eight is not good. Eight is eight is a tough time for her. Okay. Um, a lot of times, if she comes over, uh, like I'll, I'll stream on a Saturday night. I'll end, you know, ten thirty, eleven. She'll come over. We'll watch a couple a couple of shows. So maybe she'll pass out. Mm, say one thirty, something okay. like that. We'll get up at like ten thirty. The next day, so like nine hours. But then we'll eat breakfast and go back to bed for like four more hours. Like, I mean, uh, she, she just physically needs a lot more sleep than not just me, but probably most people. And everybody's different. Like that, that's a perfectly okay thing, but it can, it, you know, I, I the exact opposite. Like you said, yeah, that's a, well, you know, and it makes me terrified. Like if, if that ever happened to me where I had to lose like six to eight more hours in a day, I mean, I don't have enough time now. Like, I, I don't know what I would do if I had to lose yeah. that, that time. So, you know, she goes back to sleep. I'll, I'll do the laundry 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll run, I'll get my run done for the day or, you know, I'll just like work on things because I, I just can't sleep that much. Man. Um, in part because there's too much to do. I don't know. No doubt. Also, there's there's a few things there. One, don't sleep that much so, or be a person who doesn't sleep that much. Be a person who can't go outside that much. <laughs> I guess if we're talking about advice yeah. for people. Um, yeah, I mean, that's relatively new. That was just a few years ago when oh, okay. uh, I got the diagnosis. But, um, I'm sorry to hear that too, by the way. I mean, I guess that's a little... Yeah, wrong. no, it's fine. I, I actually hate the sun. So if well, it was going to happen to anybody, uh, it should happen to me because you know, it, it's kind of great. And also, it means if somebody invites me to like a barbecue... I have a built-in excuse to not go to the barbecue. <laughs> so there you have the it. Barbecues are tricky because there's no bookshelf to stare no at the titles of the books. You know, and generally you it's actually not, have to interact with people. It's not all so, that vegan um, at a barbecue a lot of the time. So that's well, that's tricky too. Oh man, for you. the first when I got that first job right out of college, uh, that was also my first year being vegan. Um, and I'm like the new guy, the low guy in the totem pole, you know, and this is the only job offer I even got a call back for like, this is it. This job is it for me. If I don't keep this job, I'm, uh, you know, moving and, to a cardboard and box down by the now river. Now you're vegan. <laughs> well, that was, that was the thing. So I started in, it was like August, you know, September maybe. Um, and a couple of weeks into the job. It's like, oh, there's going to be a big, big cookout, big cookout at, well, like the lead programmers, uh, like beach house in New Hampshire. And this guy is, uh, you know, very, like, you can just look at him and it's like, there's going to be a steer roast. You just, you just know, you know there's going to be like a roast pig and an entire cow and I think, and it's like, all right, I guess I'm going, I guess, uh, you know, me, me and, uh, my partner are going to this thing and we're, we're bringing, and, you know, this is not at a time when you could just like go to a Whole Foods and get like, oh, look, vegan ribs. No, that didn't exist. You had to make that. You had to make that from scratch, you know, as we're looking around through, you know, vegan punk zines, photocopied vegan punk zines, which is the only way we got recipes in those days. Um, and, you know, trying to bring something that we can bring to this thing without seeming enough like a freak to get fired over <laughs> because I couldn't say no to this. I couldn't like not go. Uh, it was horrible. I hated that. I hated everything about that experience. Yeah, that's um, rough. That's rough. That guy uh, eventually died. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, you know, I'm chuckling, but I, I'm pretty sure it was like heart failure. I'm pretty sure yeah. you know it was kind of what you would expect of a guy who had like a suckling pig and a you know side of beef roasting at his beach house. Cookout, it's a lot. But. It's a lot. Eating is a whole thing. I think uh, you know that's one thing. Anybody, whatever your diet ends up being. Uh, probably it's a thing you to look careful. into. Be careful, look into yeah. it, see you, you how things are affecting you. But yeah, 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 I, yeah. And I I'm not saying like, you know, everybody should be, like we were talking about this on my stream today. Sure, yeah. I'm definitely not saying everybody should be vegan. Um, But it's good to be aware, I think, of what you're ingesting and how it's affecting you. So uh, I have not mentioned my my guiding philosophy for decades now really has been um, try not to make any decisions by default, uh. right? So no matter what you do, and these days I feel like they would just call that mindfulness. I don't really like the, the word or the phrase because I feel like it's got weird things attached to it. But fundamentally, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, are you doing this because you thought about it and have decided it's best for you? Or are you doing this because it's how everybody else does it? 
you know. And uh, for most people, that's what diet comes down to is what you eat is you're eating it because everybody else eats that too. Um, and so I thought about it at first and I was like, when it comes to my, my ethical choices for food, it just comes down to if you put a cow in front of me and said, here's a hammer, I'm, I'm not, I'm not killing that cow. It's just never going to happen. Um, so I'm also not going to pay somebody else to do it. That that's all it comes down to for me. It, it's it's just, sense. it's that simple. Um, and of course I have the privilege to make that decision. You know, <laughs> it's like, of course, yeah, because I can make that decision, I'm going to make that decision. But obviously like, you know, there's people all over the world where they don't have the, the choice in the matter. Like you eat this or you don't eat. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I have a choice. And my choice is I would not kill that animal to eat it. So I'm not paying somebody else to do it for me just so that I don't have to deal with the, you know, the, the ickiness of, of it. Um, <laughs> totally understandable. I, I do think that too. I mean, if it does feel that way, if you're willing to go hunting and, you know, can't do this, then that's fine. But if, if, if you feel like you would, if you feel like you would feel bad or it's like, well, I really don't want to have to deal with that. Well, then there's more to think about. It's worth examining why you feel that way and whether you still want to continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. That, that's all I'm saying. Like, and uh, the reason I brought it up was because early on the vegetarian thing was enough. I, I thought of, you know, like, well, okay, I know a bit about why people are vegan and I did a little bit of research. I'm like, I'm comfortable not being vegan. I'm just going to like, I don't, I don't want to kill anything or pay somebody to kill something just so I can eat something that tastes good. You know, I, I, I'm not comfortable with that, but I'm totally okay with dairy, with eggs and things like that. And then like a year later, I thought about it again and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not actually comfortable with that because it's all the same industry. I'm still just giving money to the same people to exploit the same things and kill the same. So again, you know, it, it's just like, the biggest challenge for me is once I've examined a question and come up with an answer that's good for me and adopted it, the biggest challenge for me is then not calcifying that and saying, this is how it's going to be forever mm. because people change. I more than anyone I know, I think am guilty of the, I'm going to stick this way. You know, I decided I went straight edge at like, 19 i'm still straight edge Great. i don't know anybody else who's 50 and straight edge never heard of it doesn't exist but that also means i'm like one of the few people who has straight edge tattoos who doesn't feel like uh maybe i should get that removed or maybe at least i don't show it to people you know but um you know i it's it's easy to fall into the trap of i thought about this i made the decision and i feel good about myself for not having done something by default the downside is now that's the default for me. So I need to get better about constantly reevaluating that and being like, is that still what I want to do? Or am I just doing it because that's what I've been doing? Is, is it the new default, you know? And yeah. Well, I mean, is there a way to have a built-in, like, I guess at some point, a built-in re-examination of yourself, your life and your circumstances at some point? I think that's good to, to, to yeah, do. You kind of uh, can you can get lost um, i think it, that's the kind of thing that's more of a sharpening the saw sort of 
sort of thing that mm. can get not done. You're like, hey, we're busy cutting these trees down. We, you know, but yeah. you, you got to stop. You can't be cutting trees down while we're sharpening the saw, but the trees will go down faster if we sharpen the saw. So, yeah, I don't know. Right. It can be tough, I think, to find the time for the reexamination. And I found this worked, but it doesn't work now. And I think we've, this is, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this because, like, I know I've probably for the past three straight years, everyone says because of the pandemic, something, something. But I feel like a lot of people's lives did shift. Maybe a lot of the visions you had for what you were going to do. I know personally that was yeah. the case. You know, I used to travel like five months out of the year. You'll hear me on stream talking about going to Japan all the time for sure. the whole summer, every single year, going to France, going to whatever. That was kind of the plan. You know, I stayed in a small right. apartment. I, I literally guided all of my finances, my business decisions, all the things I learned to do for that. I and you. then it's kind of like, oh, well, is that really great for us? Like me and me and my wife, is that going to be what we're going to actually be doing now that we're at this point with all this stuff? So it could change. So that's an example. But from from what you're saying, it's kind of like hey, yeah, just because you decided to be vegan or decided that you are going to be straight edge or whatever it is. Now, these are probably very good decisions, especially for your health and that. You're, they're, you could re-examine yeah. them and say they're going to work out. They're still working for me very well. But just right. 10 years can go by where maybe it stopped working for you two years ago or something. And, you know, how do we fit yeah. that in? What, what, what do you do? Is there something that you do to, to keep that or is this a constant day-to-day -day thing? It's I. It's the thing that should be something I do more often. Again, you know that that's the big failing is you fall or I fall into the trap of I didn't I didn't do the default thing. I was true to my plan. I examined the question. I came up with the answer that was right for me, and I acted on it. But then that becomes the new default, and I never think about it again you know, and to my detriment. So uh, it's interesting when you, when you mentioned that, what, what I flashed on was uh, there's a whole framework of, uh, there's a productivity method basically called getting things done, GTD. There's a whole book you can read. Yeah. So I, I don't follow that whole thing. I, I use small elements from that because it's, I find it too constrictive, hmm. but I do use small elements from that. Uh, there's, there's some things that are really great about it. Like um, if you, come upon a task that will take two minutes or less to finish, don't add it to the list, just do it. Yeah. You know, so I, I adopt little things like that and uh, it, it helps me actually get things done. Um, and there's really great software, many, many softwares that work within this framework. Uh, they're built specifically for people who follow these things. One of them I use myself and it doesn't, automatically so one of the things about getting things done you know one of the things you're supposed to do is in regular increments you're supposed to look at everything you've set out and evaluate everything and be mm. like i haven't made any progress on this project in months and there's no reason for me to move forward with it so i should remove it you know you're supposed to be evaluating regularly like whether it be once a week, once a month, whatever, you're supposed to go through all of your projects and lists and decide, are they really active? Should they be shelved? Should they just be removed completely? All that kind of stuff. That's the kind of thing that like you've made me think about. Like mm. that would be a good general idea to, even if it's, even if it's something just like 
maybe on your birthday every year. Oh, yeah. You get a year older, maybe you have a list of the big life decisions you've made about who you are and what you do and reevaluate. Like that might be that might be the best way to do it for me. I don't know. It could be. Um, if that's the time you're being introspective. Yeah, because also maybe once a year is not enough, but it's certainly better than never. Yeah, if it's right? zero. And it's much easier to remember if it's something like it's it's rare. I feel most people don't miss their own birthday. Yeah, you know um, it's there. <laughs> so if you can tie it to something like that, then maybe maybe that's the solution. Maybe I'll try that. I got a birthday coming up in a couple months, so I'm, I'm, I'll see if this works. I think it's a good idea. I think yeah. I think you've given me a good good path <laughs> forward. I think you found yourself that, but you know, I mean, that's, that's the point of conversation. I think too, is, you know, it sparks ideas with each other, but look, yeah. I know it's, it's starting, we've been talking for a long time. I think this might be the longest <laughs> I've talked to somebody it's so far, It's ridiculous. but no, I, I'm enjoying it very much. Um, I guess, you know what, I'll, 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 I will hit you with, um, I, I don't know what you have planned or, or if you have uh, something that you want to do, but, um, I will hit you with the, the main question I, that I, the only question really that I repeat um oh okay yeah it's a, it's a, it's it's sort of like a rapid fire usually it's again it's beauty battle and business we've we know we've heard some of the struggles we've heard the some of the business and some of the things oh and i did want to say this though i um when i think we did get advice um you know we, we were talking about, i said what advice do you think it could be and you just said you said a couple things i do think we did get some advice there though even though we went okay. in a lot of directions and i think those two i just wanted to say um, you said a lot of times it's a joke that's gone too far because I'm taking it too far. Well, and another thing you said, you talked about um, hitting hit, hitting that two 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 mileage um, yeah. in your running, and you did it by planning that out. and And so I kind of oh, yeah. feel like that gives you and being intentional. I feel like that all ties together yeah. a little bit. Do you want to hit some of these things? Do you want to do something? Well, it might be yeah. a joke. It might be crazy. It might seem to you silly. However. Yeah. To others, it may not be. And so if you just take it to as far as it can go, then you're going to be able to see it might flop too. You said you had some things that just couldn't oh, keep going sure. or couldn't happen, but that yeah. might flop. But the way you can take it far is by saying, well, if I was going to do this and that again, this brings us right back to magic where you said, like, let's let's reverse engineer. I want this to happen. Now, how can I re right. reverse engineer this thing? Uh, so start making a plan. If I wanted this joke of mine that I think is silly, some crazy pie in the sky thing, if I really wanted it to happen, you know, how could I, what would I do? And then plan that out, make a plan and then see it and it, and be ready for yourself to have some problems. Um, you know, you'll probably have some challenges. You'll probably have to rework everything a bunch of times. However, you know, you, you might be surprised at the results is, is kind of what I, that's the advice I'm, you didn't say that, but I think I'm well, taking that from what you, from the stories you told. I, okay. I, I agree with all that. And I also, uh, paradoxically, simultaneously think the exact opposite wow. because if I had planned out really all the things, all the ridiculous things that I want, I never would have done them. If I had tried to plan them out, I never would have done it because I, I, uh, I'm much more, um, actually it's a thing that comes up in, uh, mathematics. I think lately, isn't it something like a drunken walking thing? I, I was never big on math, but the, the, the idea that you're just traversing something without looking too far forward, you're just going to the next, the next step. So 
Um, that kind of ties into a strategy that I learned about in college when I was learning about AI before, I mean, AI now is not like AI in the, in the early nineties, hmm. but, um, there's a common, there was a, a very common, um, strategy that was used when building artificial intelligences back then. So meaning like you needed to program a chess game. You needed to write a program that would play chess against somebody. And so the, the, the thing is called progressive deepening, or it was at the time. I don't know if this exists anymore, but I, I use this all the time. Uh, I learned this again as a teenager in college, and I, I use this every day. The idea being that if you need to write a computer program that's going to react to a chess move, somebody does the move, and now the computer has 30 seconds, let's say arbitrarily 30 seconds to make the best move possible. The way we used to do it is you would program the computer to first of all, pick any move, any move that's a valid move. Like obviously you don't want it to have a rook move diagonally. That's not legal. So any legal move, regardless of what it's going to do to the gameplay, and then save that. How much time do you have left? 29.9 seconds. Okay, great. Now let's look for a better move. And if that move, if that if, if if you run out of time, you've got the move, the, you know the bad move, but legal to fall back on. But now uh, you've looked one level deep. You've examined every legal move, and you've compared it against what they can do uh, after you make each one of these moves. And you've computed, let's say, the score of the board based on how many uh, pieces of each type, you know. And so now you found a better move because you've looked one level deep. And now you've got 20 seconds left. Okay, forget the first one, save the second one. Now, let's look two levels deep and see if we can find a better move than this one based on our whatever our criteria are. Uh, oh, we ran out of time? Okay, use the second move. But if we find one, okay, great. Forget that second one, now we've got this third one. And I use this all the time. And I use this uh, when I was working at that first job at the medical company we'd get a phone call and um you know the hospital would say the computer just died right now we're in the middle of a case the patient has the head frame screwed into their skull and the computer has died what do we do and it would be my job <laughs> to fix this and i'd be like okay progressive deepening let's do this um we've got an extra computer that we use for training and demos that's in the demo room that's set up with the software, uh, you go break it down, pack it up, get it into packing cases, and get ready to get on a plane. You're gonna work on bringing this huge computer on a plane, fly to Texas from Boston, get in there so that, because this was an important patient. It was like the governor's son was wow. getting cancer treatment with this thing. Even bigger stakes. <laughs> right, so I was just like, that's level one. That's the only legal move. You start getting a, a replacement computer to carry on board a plane, fly down there and get it running so they can do this case. Um, you know, meanwhile, your partner is calling, trying to find the flight, you know, so that that's step that's one, get somebody there with a computer, you know. Meanwhile, if we don't run out of time, which is based on when you would have to physically leave to go to the airport to get on this flight, uh, we're going to try to fix the computer remotely, you know, 
uh, we're, you know, is there anybody there who uh, knows Unix uh, workstations and things like that? You know, great. Uh, oh, you happen to be a university hospital. Awesome. Connect us to the computer science department. Hey, uh, your your teaching hospital has this system. You know, uh, it's HPUX nine thousand. Anybody there? No. Yeah. Great. Okay. You get over there. Okay. You tech support people. Talk to this guy. Try to see if he can fix the. the per so you know, it's just like staging these things out and trying to find you find one solution no matter how bad it is then you try to find a better one and then a better one and when you run out of time you use the best one you found nice and i i use that all the time i use that constantly that is fantastic um, it's an important for me it's been a very important strategy but again this kind of it it goes hand in hand with the idea of that if i do plan too far ahead, I'll never get anything done. That's a good point. Um, so I did not start out 2020 intending to run every day. I happened to notice five days into the year, I had run every day, which I'd never run five days in a row before. I said, let's see how long we can take this. Let's see how far we can take this. Can I keep the streak going for another week? Uh, the rule is if I get injured, I'm not going to try to run through it because I already made that mistake. And then I wound up not being able to walk for a month, let alone run for like six months. Yeah. So I learn from making dumb, terrible mistakes. So that was the thing. <laughs> I'm going to run every day, at least a mile. If I get injured or if I start feeling hurt at all, I'm stopping. And it's actually been really great because this is the longest I've ever not been injured. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, again, almost three years I've run every day and I've had minor injuries. And then I just like, I'm running real slow, really short, just to keep this streak going. And if it feels wrong, I'm stopping and the streak ends and that's it done. But I never set out to run for three years straight every day at all. It was just, I've run five days in a row. Let's see if we can make it six. Let's see if we can get through the end of January, maybe. Um, Oh, now there's this thing that somebody says, uh, maybe try to run a thousand kilometers in three months or something. Let's try that. That's an average of like a little over a 5K every day. Maybe I can do that, you know? And then it ends up being, I ran over 2000 miles in a year and I have almost run three years every day without, without missing a day. That's but I, if, you, if you set out with that, me at least, if I set out with that goal, no, I'm not making it. It's not going to happen. I, for me, it's an iterative process. And I continually take things to stupider and stupider levels. So it's the same thing with Twitch. You know, It was like, let's see if we can do some magic on Twitch. And now it's just you know, like we've got all these ridiculous redemption things <laughs> popping up all over the place. And every time somebody is like, maybe add this, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, sure. I'll spend six hours adding that because it sounds like it will be funny. There Let's go is. ahead and do it, you know, and it just, everything just snowballs and accumulates and the running scared thing. Again, one dumb dad joke over text message turns into something that consumed my life for like six months. <laughs> um, the, the, as the Apple turns website, it was intended to be a dumb joke. It ended up being like a money-making business for like six years. Like there was one month where just an advertising revenue um, and merchant merch sales, I think it was unusual, but I had one month that was like several thousand dollars. 
Wow. You know? okay. And it was, again, it was a dumb joke taken too far. So That's I don't plan these things out. Um, when I do plan things out, things usually go wrong for me. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's crazy good. If I'm very happy that you, I'm just jumping from rock to rock. I'm not looking like I have no idea how far across the river it is, but there's a rock. I'm standing on this rock. I'm pretty sure I can get to that rock. So I jumped to that rock. I didn't fall in great. Now I'm in the middle of the river and there's no more rocks. Maybe that happens. Sometimes it does. And I've got to go back, you know, but I'm just jumping from rock to rock. I, I can't, if I look too far ahead, I have no, no idea. Now, sometimes that's different. When the pandemic first happened, I looked at the numbers. I mean, I have a science background. I'm not, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, but I have enough of a science background where when I looked at the numbers and I looked at what was going on, I knew very well it wasn't going to be like, oh, this will disappear by April. Uh, you know, like all that obvious. nonsense. Um, but early on, I was like, this is guaranteed going to be at least a year. And I, at that point, I was like, thank God I do long distance running. Because if I came to that conclusion and I didn't do long distance running, I would just panic. But instead, I was like, all right, we can do this. Or I can do this. I don't know if other people can do it. But other people were not thinking that it was going to be a year. I mean, I, I, I had tickets crazy. to a puppet show. Oh, okay, I had tickets to a puppet show. Uh, Golden Girls, the Golden Girls puppet show. I got tickets for me and my girlfriend. She loves Golden Girls. It's okay. a great puppet show, by the way. If it comes to your town, absolutely go see it if it's safe. But um, you will not believe uh, the, the the person they've got doing the voice of B. Arthur's character is the voice of B. Arthur. Dead on. This guy sounds more like B. Arthur than B. Arthur does. My girlfriend literally is a speech language pathologist. She knows everything about phonemes, speech, all, you know, accents, everything. She's like, wow. that is dead on. Like she would know the difference. Uh, we were stunned. But the thing is, I bring it up because we had tickets to this thing, which of course they canceled because of lockdown. Mm -hmm. They rescheduled it for three weeks later. Come on. Okay. This is like April of 2020. Yeah. And I was like, huh. So some people really think this is going to be gone in three weeks. And then they rescheduled it again for three months later. And then nine months later. And it's like, it's slowly dawning on them that th this is going to take longer. But yeah, early on, I was like, this is going to be a minimum of a year. There's no way this is going to be less than a year before things are even remotely normal. I certainly didn't think we were going to be <laughs> approaching year four. Oh, really? uh, because I'm a little bit. I may be a little bit too optimistic in, in that people would do the right thing. Uh, I'm still incredibly bitter that we could have been done with this in three months. And now, you know, we're three years in, but um, yeah, that, that's one of those cases where I could look forward and I was lucky enough to be of a mindset where it didn't cripple me yeah. to say, all right, uh, I've never run a marathon, but it was the idea of, okay, I can do this, you know, <laughs> I just need to, just need to take it slowly. But yeah, in terms of like the stuff that has worked out for me and it seems like somehow, uh, a lot of times it's same with me. It's just like, how did this happen? Why am I charmed to, for this to have happened? A lot of times I think it's just because I'm not looking far enough ahead to be discouraged. No, that's um, true. I'm, I'm just running with the joke. It's a joke. Either it's a dumb meme or something like that, or it's something that I said 
I've always wanted to do this. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And then I just keep taking it farther just because it's a thing to do. And uh, either it works or it doesn't. And Penn and Teller, the magicians, in one of their books, they have a brilliant strategy. I read about this when I was maybe in high school or maybe it was early college, and it stuck with me. Uh, it's the notion of no permanent damage. Mm. So their strategy is if the worst thing that happens as uh, a result of something go wrong is that you look stupid in front of a lot of people, do it. It's no fine. Fun. No permanent damage. But if it might kill you, maybe don't do that. Uh, if you're going to lose an arm, if something goes wrong, maybe don't do that. There's a famous magic uh, effect, the bullet catch, right? Yeah. Somebody loads a gun, fires it at the magician, they catch the bullet in the teeth. Several people have died attempting a bullet catch over the years. Um, and as an aside, the first confirmed woman to perform a bullet catch on stage uh, complimented one of my magic tricks. And I was Ooh. like, I can die now. My needle swallow. I did a needle swallow last year on on uh, Halloween. Oh boy! And um, it was literally this needle. I keep it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Still threaded. From, you know, it's like you swallow the needle, you swallow the thread. People are looking in your mouth. You drink water in between, and then you pull the thread out, and the needle is threaded on. You know. Amazing. Um, I showed the clip from my Twitch stream to all these magicians, and and this woman who was like famous to me because she's the first woman to be verified as having performed a bullet catch was like, "That was great." I'm like, "Yes, awesome!" But, wow. um, Congrats. And it was the same thing. Yeah. I was like, I need something to do on Halloween. Wouldn't it be stupid if I did a needle swallow? That makes sense. <laughs> and I brought it up and I brought it up on my stream and everybody was like, do not do that. And I was like, well, okay, now I'm doing it. Now I got to do it. Now I gotta see <laughs> because everybody, everybody is like, don't do that. It's dangerous. And it's like, I know it's not really dangerous. Like, obviously it's magic, you know, like there, there's things happening that are not what you think are happening. It is still dangerous because you are putting an actual needle in your actual mouth. Okay, true. But it's as safe as it can be under those circumstances. And so I just, again, it was like a joke, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. like, nobody wants me to do this. I'm going to do it. Okay, well, then I'll, I'll amend that that uh, that advice is not necessarily planning the thing, but planning that step. Maybe planning the step next one. Step. Let's do step it's one. It's always the next step. Yeah. And hey, if it's going okay, then let's just see if start. we can take it another level. Honestly, yeah, just start. I, I'm, a bad, had, I'm a bad person to take advice uh, on, on that specifically because I'm bad at finishing things. I'm really bad at finishing oh, yeah? things. Wow. That's something I've been struggling with my whole life. I, I feel you. <laughs> I understand it. So if you're the kind of person who wants to, for instance, write a novel, don't listen to me because I've had the same novel stuck for 20 years. Oh, but really? if you just want to try a thing and see where it takes you, then yeah, maybe you can listen to me because I, that, that's what I always do. And it leads to interesting places, but it's not always where I want to be, I guess. You know, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking about what you've said and I think about the things that I've, when I've been able to do something and it is oftentimes that same sort of strategy without me really realizing it. 
like mm, Twitch is a thing like that. It's like, oh, here's an idea. And I was like, there is a lot <laughs> here. Like when I went to Twitch, I wasn't expecting the amount of like, you go to the creator dashboard and it's like, oh, there's 300 things here. I wasn't yeah. expecting 300 things, you know, and I, I had, yeah, then I'm going to research cameras and lights and all this stuff. And it's like, there's a lot there, but I was like, okay, what could I start with? How could I get going? And I just did, I started to go further and further and I didn't really expect much and then i found myself actually kind of behind the game because i would i wasn't expecting really anything from it and it started getting going a little better a little quicker than i thought um same thing with writing a novel though uh the last the last uh novel that like that i'm working on i did the first draft in 30 days i did 2200 words every day um and the (sighs) idea the idea is you sit down and you write okay and that first draft honestly like i'm probably going to throw a lot of it out because you have yeah. to just sit down and write, unfortunately. Yeah. And some of those days, you're not a genius, and it doesn't go that right. well. And somehow, it's not coming out of your head. And maybe you take go, you add some character you shouldn't have added, and now it's awful. Right. And so this is what it's going to be. That first one just te- ends up. You want it to be good right away, but it just won't be. So now you have to take it day by day. I'm going to sit down. I'll write about this much, and that's how much I'm going to write. And now I've only planned a day. And I only have to do that today. And I don't have to, if I decide I want to do this tomorrow, I guess I won't. But I, Interesting. I, I want to finish this thing. So that's what I'll do. And I've, uh, I went from writing novels that it took me two years to write the first one that I did. Two and a half years or something. Okay. And then the second one, I did it in a year. And then it was like, I wrote a bunch of comic books and I decided, hey, what if I turn these into just trailers so I'll learn animation? I didn't need to do all that. There was no need for right, that. Right, right, right. But I wanted to see yeah. if I could do it, so I did it. <laughs> and that's uh, awesome. You know, I feel like that's the thing, though. But I just was like, okay, what can I learn today that's going to maybe get me a step forward? Or how much can I can I just write today and it'll get me that step forward? Or Twitch, can I just I'll just you know I'll start a stream. I'll read these comics. Nobody's going to be there for sure. Zero people are going to be there every time. That's what I thought. But I'll do it because I want to. And then uh, yeah. people were there, so. Yeah. No, honestly, I really think that each time things have worked or even exercising and losing weight, all those kinds of things, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like, hey, can I get to the end of the week and just do this well today and maybe get to the end of the week doing this? That tends to be the way to go. You you know the long-term goal. Like, I mean, you know what the big goal right. could be, but you don't have to think about that every second. I think that does discourage you. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with all of that and it made me think of what it was like when i started running longer distances um because it was very much a there's no way i can run 10 miles but i can run a mile and at the end of a mile i can probably run another mile and actually the first time i ran a 5k i was not intending to run a 5k i just started running around a track and you know i was tracking the distance And at the end of the first mile, which is about as far as I'd ever run, really, uh, before, I was like, I still feel like I can keep going. Let's just see what happens. And I just kept going. And then at the end of two miles, I was like, I'm pretty tired, but I think it might be a bad idea, but I might be able to keep going. Let's try two and a half. And I get to two and a half and I was like, well... A 5K is 3.11. I mean, there's no point in stopping now. I, I feel like I can do it, and I just did it. 
I, I don't recommend that this is the thought process people take when running because I'm also really good at injuring myself by doing that. But yeah. that, that first time I did it, uh, I got lucky just, and I wouldn't have done it otherwise. <laughs> like I know people who plan, like they, I've got friends who do the whole like couch to 5k thing. Mm. I don't think that would work for me. What worked for me was just starting it and then at certain intervals just saying, well, I'm just going to go another, you know, two tenths of a mile and see how I feel. Oh, I can keep going. All right, great. And then eventually I got to the point where I was like, well, I'm not stopping now because it's, it's less than half a mile to go. I'm just going to do it. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, terrible idea, but it works sometimes. If you get lucky, you don't get injured, you know? Yeah. I um, mean, you do build momentum that way. That is, that is true. Yes. Like, cause you, if you maybe didn't have so much momentum or you, you know, now there's not pressure. It's like, oh, I have to get to this 5K thing, and I don't know how I'm ever going to do that. And it gets, that can be a mental downward spiral, I think. Sure. So like, yeah. it's like okay, that's well, one of the reasons I probably will never run a marathon. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's too, I, I, it's, too it's, much It's unlikely that. I'll ever run a marathon. Oh, um, wow. it, it's not really important to me, but it is one of those things that's like, well, uh, the most I got was um, I ran 18 miles once, and I didn't intend to. I was supposed to stop at 16. Wow. And, uh, I was just about to stop. I was running around a pond. It's about two and a half miles around a pond, uh, nearby. I used to run there all the time and I was just finishing up. It was like getting dark. It was, uh, I think the 16 was the furthest I'd ever run. I was feeling good. It's like, I did it great. And then a guy coming in the other direction, uh, looking frantic is like, have you seen a little black and white dog? And I was like, no, and I guess I'm not stopping. You keep going this way. I'll keep going this way and we'll meet up at some point and we'll try to find your dog. And I kept going and I was so, I mean, I hadn't stopped. Like I, I, I never stopped to walk or anything. It was running 16 miles and then I kept going. And uh, I didn't even know the dog's name. I'm literally laughing while running around the pond in the dark, yelling, here, a little black and white dog. I mean, I didn't even know what to call out, <laughs> but I was so, you know, I, I was loopy at that point because I, I didn't stop. I didn't have food, water, anything. I didn't stop for it. I just kept going. But I went 18 miles. I got all the way back around and I never ran into the guy again. So I choose to believe he found the dog and they left because I made all the way around, never ran into him again. So yay. But that was the most I did was 18 miles. And it was not by planning to run 18 miles. So again, that's the kind of thing. Like if I have to plan a marathon, I feel like I'm never really going to do it. But if I slowly build up and eventually get to the point where I run 20 miles, I might just be like, how do I feel? Mm. Let's try another time around. Now I'm at 22. How am I doing? Let's, let's keep going. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know, if I run a marathon, it's just going to be me running around a pond. I'm not going to run in a marathon. That would never happen. I'm never going to run with a bunch of people. It's, it's just totally bizarre to me that people do that. Um, if you love it, great, do it. But to me, that's never going to happen. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. If you examine yourself, you know the kind of person you are, you know that maybe this way might work for you better. And you're going to end up actually oh. doing some of this stuff. Like, hey, if you ran 26 miles or 26 and a half miles around a pond you ran 26 and a half miles or if you you right. ran it in a marathon cool but that's not different you know in a sense so well yeah it doesn't mean you... anything to me personally mm. if it means something to somebody else that's great my, my uh, ex ran a marathon awesome. and uh, i'm super proud you know uh, amazing amazing 
Um, but one of the reasons, I mean, I really, uh, I feel like there's Eastern um, cultures that, that and my mother always told me, my mother's from Taiwan. Hmm. Her mom's from Japan. She always told me that um, there's the belief that people are one of three types of people. You're either a flower person, a mountain person, or a water person. Okay. I don't know if this is true or if this is something she made up. I have no idea. But I, 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 I've carried that with me a lot. Um, and I'm definitely a water person. Ah, which is interesting because last time I swam, I was 17. I, I don't like swimming. But I like being near water. Ah. Um, I, I feel a kinship with water and large bodies of water and moving water and things like that. And um, running around the pond helps me because I've, I'm like, there's water right there. Like I feel good being next to the water. And I think it may have been on that 18 mile run. It was definitely on a long run around the pond. At some point I remember thinking, I'm not the mountain and I, I shouldn't be the mountain. I'm the water that eats the mountain. Mm. And uh, you know, the whole, the whole Canyon kind of thing. Like, like just, you know, and Bruce Lee had that whole thing, you know, be water and all that, sure. which wasn't in my mind at the time. But, you know, I mentioned this to somebody later and they're like, oh yeah, like the Bruce Lee be water thing. I'm like, yeah, yes, kind of. But it was more just like, you know, the mountain is not what wins. If you, if you pit water against a mountain, you just got to wait. <laughs> Eventually the water wins. The water washes that mountain away. Uh, it just takes a long time and it, you just don't look, you know, don't look at the fact that it's going to take a million years. Just be that, just be that force that is slowly doing what it needs to do. Chip away at things. That's um, awesome. I, I don't like to look always at the big picture because it just paralyzes me. You know, I'm just like, you. what do I need to do today to get to tomorrow? Sometimes that's great. Sometimes it's not right. If you lose the big picture, bad things can happen, but um, oh, You've given me some things to think about. I think I'll definitely take that back with me and try to incorporate it a little bit more because I, like I said, I'm in, it just does flash into my mind that a lot of things that I've done that have been successful or that are working at all uh, does tend to be that sort of an idea where you're just pushing. Yeah. You, you have a concept that it can go far. I mean, or that it could go a million miles if you want, but eh, we're not going to think about that. Let's just, right. Let's just stick with this. Let's go forward that way. That's pretty cool. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that advice. Well, the thing, uh, so the website that I ran, the As the Apple Turns thing, mm -hmm. at some point we had, because the big joke about that was uh, quantity over quality, you know, uh, because again, I was, I was writing like 1500 words a day for this, for this website. And uh, at some point we had this thing called the Melville index, Okay, which was Again, I had this entire thing database driven, which meant I could export all of the content I'd written into a text file and run a word count on it and compare it to the word count of Moby Dick by Herman Melville, which is public domain and you can just get the text file. So at some point, the Melville index was something like, I don't know, 9.6 or something. I'd written like 10 times as much as is in, the, is in, Moby, in Dick Moby Dick <laughs> for this dumb website that was originally a, a throwaway joke about how, you know, the news media was treating the story of Apple as a, uh, a soap opera. Wow. And it turned into something that was 10 times the length of Moby Dick. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. That. It's ridiculous. It is funny. But people still write to me about it. 
I'll still get email out of the blue. And I'm like, any chance it's coming back? I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, you can read the old stuff, but nothing new is happening. I mean, for one thing, Apple is one of the biggest companies in the world now. You know, it's, They're not gonna... it's not the same story. No, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. Yeah. I get it. Anyway. You know, <laughs> okay. Okay. So I will ask you this question that I was going sure. to uh, ask you some time ago. Um, and then I, I don't know if you feel like gracing us with some magic or not. If you had something in mind. We could try it. I'm not, always up to try a thing. Yeah. It's I'm always not up to try a thing. Pressure. I might show you. Yeah. I might. Uh, I can probably. I was thinking maybe we do a thing where I can kind of illustrate some of the concepts I was telling you about how. Um, the way magic works and why it might behoove people to learn more about how magic works. Cause it, it's kind of the way you get controlled. You get controlled in your day-to-day -day life. Everything, everything you see, everything, all the information coming in, a lot of that, a substantial portion of that is being engineered by people who are trying to sway your decisions. And so maybe we do a thing uh, that illustrates that. We'll try it. We'll try it. I'm all but for yeah, it. ask away. Let's see what okay, we get. Okay, so this is the question that I tend to ask. It's a, it's a bit of a left turn from what we've been talking about, but I feel like you know you do have a lot of things. Like there's the poetry. There there is all yep. of these. There's magic and and there's music and there's theater and there's a lot of things that you have an interest in, um, as well as of course there there's the scientific side. Uh, the programming side, the technical side, the physical side, you know, uh, and this idea of water we just talked about. Um, and so, again, uh, what, what I was looking for in in doing this podcast in the first place is trying to find beauty, trying to find if we want to talk about Marilyn Manson, the beautiful people, if you want. Um, okay. But uh, and 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 just getting an idea of what people who have done things maybe a little bit differently than what a lot of a lot of you generally would think of as being a re regular life. If we want to even say that, not, not that there mm -hmm. is such a thing, but if you wanted to say like, Hey, this might be a little off the beaten path, all these different things. Um, and then what is, what is the concept of beauty mean to these people? So that's what I'm asking you is uh, when you think of beauty, just simply think of the word, uh, what what comes to mind what, what would be your your idea of of beauty or your explanation of it if you had to uh try to give one um the first thing that comes to mind when you bring that up is interesting to me because it wouldn't have been what i would have thought would spring to mind but um i i am not a religious person i am not a philosophical person per se certainly not i don't read philosophy i, I don't uh, research what other people have thought about these things but um i have a very very glancing <laughs> blow sort of brush with uh Taoism. and there's a famous painting i guess uh, you know it, it's more it's more if it were a magic trick it would be called a plot instead of a trick right so in magic we've got like the oil and water plot where you've got black and red cards mixing and unmixing but there's a million different tricks that use that so that's a plot as opposed to a trick so uh there's the vinegar tasters apparently in Taoism, which is a picture of three men tasting vinegar hmm. and they have different expressions on their faces and i guess uh somebody's gonna you know, be like that's not what that is but it's fine. In my mind, this is what I think about it. And this is why it came up to me when you mentioned beauty. 
you've got one person whose reaction uh, is one of bitterness, tasting something bitter. Another person whose uh, reaction is tasting something sour. They're supposed to represent uh, like Confucius and I, I can't remember, but it basically um, the idea of Buddhism or uh, like, like uh, strict adherence to rules. But the third taster is supposed to be the Taoist, I guess, who uh, just has like this beatific look on his face where he's appreciating the flavor of the vinegar for what it is. It's not that the vinegar tastes sweet, it's that you can appreciate that vinegar, vinegar exists and it tastes this way. And to me, I think that's, that's when, I, when I heard about that as a young person, I think that that's kind of what it crystallized the notion of beauty to be because I like a lot of things that people find ugly. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, vocalists that a lot of people can't stand. I love Bob Dylan's voice. I love Lou Reed's voice, even if he's not carrying the tune. Um, you know, I, I collect voices and some of them are very beautiful in a traditional sense, like Keely Smith. We've talked about Keely Smith, but also, you know, Tom Waits, you know, things like that. Um, oh, what did Bowie say about Dylan? He had a voice like sand and glue. I love that. I love that. I think that's a beautiful image, but it's describing something that is not uh, um, conventionally beautiful to describe a voice, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think it was Hazel O'Connor, maybe, who uh, was criticizing Brian Eno's music because... She says, it's like drinking a glass of water. I'd rather drink razor blades. <laughs> you know, to me, that, 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 is a, that is a statement about beauty. Um, and yeah, I, I, like, I like horror movies. I like punk music. I like things that um, rub against the grain. I like things that break outside of boundaries. But I also like things that are traditionally beautiful. The important thing to me is appreciating things for what they are mm. or trying to, um, if that makes sense. You that know? makes a lot of sense. So, that makes yeah, a lot of sense. So, so things I, – I think, I think you find that in, in – I think in a lot of art. You know, you've got art that is – ugly, but not ugly. You know, it, it is definitely, and that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to show people it's holding up a mirror. You know, it, it's like, yes, this is, this is a picture of a rotting carcass, a rotting animal carcass. This is a painting of a rotting animal carcass. Uh, aren't you surprised by your reaction to it? Because you you, I've managed to make you think it's beautiful. Yeah. Maybe I didn't succeed with everybody, but maybe one person is like, you know what? You're right. That is beautiful. And maybe I'm going to start looking at ugly things in a different light. So uh, I tend to have unconventional tastes. Uh, I like things that are asymmetric mm. a lot of times, but when I'm making something, a lot of times it ends up symmetrical. Like there's a lot of contradictions there, but I, I think, I think it makes sense. I like things that are conventionally beautiful and I like things that a lot of people would consider ugly it all comes down to just appreciating the vinegar for what it tastes like, I think. 
I think you're, I think you're right on. I mean, that, that tends to, it's funny that that does tend to be a, a theme when I asked this question actually, is that mm. like, of course, you know, the, one of the very first people that's been on this was a person named, uh, Vicky Clarici, who's AKA makeup Billy, who does special oh, effects yeah, yeah. makeup. Right. And so she's yeah, yeah. making I saw, these. I saw part of the, the return stream. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the hideous return, uh, the, for scene. Yeah. For season, season two, I had her back, you know, and yeah. so she, she makes these horrendous masks, right? <laughs> They're essentially what you would call ugly and horrific and whatnot, but she's doing it with skill and beauty. And therefore, you know, now where are we, you know? And, and also a lot of times when she's, you know, taking pictures or whatever, they try to take these great images that are excellent. And therefore now we've got beauty, you know, we've got, and so I, I don't think, and also I, when I do talk to her as well, or when I talk to you or I talk to anyone, I don't expect anybody to be in some box. Like you're the magic guy or something. And that's gotta be the only oh. thing you'd ever do just because, or that's the only thing you ever think, or, or you're vegan. So you must hate everybody who eats me. Like, no, there, we don't, oh, you like asymmetrical stuff. So he can never, you can't look at a circle, you know, like, no, you're, you're allowed to. <laughs> You're allowed to to like all of it, and I do think that's amazing thing to say. Is that uh, incredible? That painting, uh, that sounds incredible. Because yeah, this is vinegar. Now we could say it's sour. We could say it's bitter. We could say it's vinegar, and right. maybe there's the beauty in that. There's the beauty in it being that what is, it is. Yeah. Life is kind of like that, that. Was one of the things that when I when I read anything about Taoism, that was the sort of thing that appealed to me about it. The notion that you can see things for what they are and you can appreciate them for what they are. They don't have to be beautiful to be beautiful. They don't, you know, nothing, nothing. And it doesn't matter what you think about them. They are what they are. So you can either rail against it or you can appreciate it is what it is. And, you know, it's the kind of thing people are, uh, a criticism of that might be, well, then you're just going to accept things without changing them for the better. And that, I mean, that could be, that could be a trap to fall into. I think that's a legitimate concern, but at the same time, you're not going to change the weather anytime soon. Mm. So can you maybe appreciate the storm instead of just making your life worse by hating it? You know, it's a tool. It's a tool of perspective. The notion that and you can be reductive and say, you know, give me the, well, I don't even know the, 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 the quote that gets overused, you know, like God, give me the strength to change the things I can and to accept mm -hmm. the things I can't, whatever. It's a similar mm -hmm. idea granted, but I think it's more about observing the nature of something in and of itself, right? Being able to, uh, it's almost like Marcus Aurelius, right? First principles, like what is it? in itself and then being okay with that you know the um i think i think uh, Taoism is is a, a common a common sort of image is the stream that flows around the rock you know and it doesn't get stopped by the rock it just goes around the rock it's fine you know uh, you accept you're not going through that rock go mm. around it and and so yeah in the middle of that well towards the end of a long run around the pond i remember suddenly realizing you know and and uh, it was it was enough of a thing where i actually um translated it into chinese 
turn it into seal script and i have it ready to be a tattoo someday when i go back but but the notion of i am not the mountain i'm the water that eats the mountain yeah you know and very specifically that that notion that you know it's an interesting image to me because the mountain and the water are not fighting there's no war between a water between water and a mountain uh so there's no nobody's winning but it is true the water eats that mountain that that is just a truth you give it enough time it will happen um, it will happen so uh, to me that was that was like very much a this is this is how you do something big this is how you do something long this is how you do something you can't see the other end of yeah you're not the mountain just just you're the water that eats that mountain and you just just keep going just try it keep going see what happens and uh if you keep at it long enough you either dry up or you eat the mountain <laughs> one of the two and you get to find and, out uh, which. either way it is what it is awesome that is awesome all right you know what i'm i'm if, if i really like this idea of um i really like this idea of uh you go if you have the time and if you care to do this that's what i will say yeah totally let's try go, it let's going try through it. these concepts and see if it if it works or no okay yeah i don't know if this will work um but we can try it and uh, that that, that is <laughs> that so, is always what i say on twitch it's like well we'll give it a shot we'll see what happens and i guess at this um, point anybody who's listening might want to go to youtube and watch because it'll probably you know it'll probably be more fun to actually see so i'll say that we'll see yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, or um, if things go wrong don't <laughs> just well, listen and enjoy you bring up a really you bring up a really interesting point what if we can turn this into something that works over audio That'd there are cool. there are magic tricks that work 100 percent over audio i don't have any ready but maybe we can make this into something that still works even if people are just listening if we can we can um, you know no pressure let's try it <laughs> all right shall we i haven't planned this out but let's just try it so what i wanted to talk to you about in the context of this is um you mentioned before the uh, briefly the notion of people who use these techniques to sort of um you know flim flam people right oh, okay yeah. the idea that it's not a trick i have real powers and uh if you give me enough money i'll uh i'll contact your your dead husband for you you know mm. And I hate that stuff. Um, and I don't want to belittle anybody's beliefs. Uh, that's important to me. I do not believe in any of that. Yeah. And part of the reason is because I know a lot of people who make people believe these things by using <laughs> the same techniques I use. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean they don't exist. It doesn't mean that, you know, it just means that I have seen no evidence, no credible evidence. Uh, there have been people who have you know been offering literally a million dollars for anybody who can produce credible evidence and nobody's collected right, that, in decades incredible so, uh, uh magician the james right? randy thing right james, yeah, yeah that's it the, the, randy that's right yeah yeah Mag magnificent so, randy or? um oh, okay, i'm sorry uh probably yeah i, I just I, think I, it was james randy james right. randy well yeah he had that out forever and uh, it's yet nobody's yeah. nobody can prove that they are legitimately a psychic I, i'm kind of on the same right. team as you there at this, it's not a team. It's just that's the belief. And of course, maybe it's possible that somebody is a real psychic and that's just the truth. But a lot of times it's a it's a con job. And that's that's that is also true. The thing I tell people is 
if if you believe that i i'm not putting you down i'm just cautioning you if anybody's asking for money then, yeah. then be on your guard because that that's a that's a danger sign you know um so that that's all i would say so okay. in that vein i'm going to ask you rick do you have a notion of what you would consider the difference between influence and mind reading influence and mind reading do i even have a notion of what i would consider the difference between um i suppose yeah, it's not the kind of thing people think about usually i certainly Unless don't think you're a magician it. or a mentalist but i'll 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 say what i'm thinking right now is that um sure influence is something that is is coming from an external source like uh, you would be saying something to me conditioning me maybe um uh priming my brain to to be sympathetic to a particular direction and then mind okay. reading would probably i guess you know i don't know if that exists or not but i would say mind reading is is of the vein of you didn't say anything i didn't say anything we couldn't know anything and you've pulled the thoughts from my head and you've been able to literally read them like a book and now you can speak them back to me that's that's the kind of thing i would say the difference would be okay i i agree with you and we can illustrate this we can condense that um here's what i propose i'm going to count one two three and then go so it'll be one two three go and uh on go i just want you to say uh the first word that pops into your head okay one two three popcorn oh sorry um, i didn't say it i apologize yeah <laughs> what, what were you thinking though um i i i I was all over the place a little bit with that, uh, to be honest. I think, I think I might have. Uh, I thought of four things. I thought of this is, that's kind of the way it is. I thought of like four what was, words. What, can you can you go back to the first thing? The I'm first curious. thing. I I actually might have thought popsicle. I okay. realized. So, so if it was you had kind actually of said popsicle and I said popsicle popcorn, I would yeah. have just said, uh, "There you go. I'm a miracle yeah. worker. It was close enough." Generally, what happens is I always say popcorn. Nobody ever says popcorn. If anybody says popcorn, I'm just going to say, and and I'm done. Okay. Enjoy, yeah. I'm, you know. I apologize. I screwed that whole thing up. Oh, no, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I certainly wasn't going to say popcorn, and none of the words I thought yeah. of were popcorn. <laughs> I thought of purple, but, I thought of green, and I thought of go, and I thought of popsicles. So I guess. Oh, no. interesting. Yeah. Because uh, those could all be colors of popsicle. But we'll go with popsicle <laughs> because. Uh, it's closest to popcorn. It's a food and it begins with pop, but does it do? Really, uh, I do this as an illustration to show the difference between influence and mind reading is that mind reading doesn't exist. In my mind, mind reading is not a thing because if it were, I would have said popsicle. Yeah. No, <laughs> I didn't no. say popsicle because I can't read your mind. Influence exists, right? As you say, it's an external thing that can bend somebody to a specific thing. So I, I like to think of it this way. If you and I were in a car, if you were at the wheel and I were in the passenger seat and we were just out for a drive, you didn't have a specific destination in mind. You're just driving. If I could subtly influence your turns right and left, I might theoretically be able to get you to a specific location. Okay. Okay. And if I had written down that specific location beforehand and put it in a sealed envelope, and uh, managed to get you to pull up to there and handed you that envelope and you opened it and you saw 
that I had written down where you wound up, that would look like mind reading. But it wouldn't be. It would be an example of influence. Yeah. So let's let me see if this uh, works with my uh, screen here. Okay. Now I may disappear because I'm usually uh, in the corner, but as long as you can see my hands, that, I guess that's the most important thing. We absolutely um, can. Okay. Yeah. So let's try this. We're going to take a deck of cards and um, let's think about this. I'm going to predict. All right. I'm going to predict a, um, I'm going to predict a card. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to predict a card. And we're going to leave that prediction here. Okay? Okay. And um, you probably aren't going to need that again, but that's fine. I'm going to try to get you to arrive at the card I predicted. And it's going to look like mind reading. All right. Okay. So here's, here's what we're going to do. If you were here, I would ask you to cut the cards about halfway. All right. Instead, I'm going to, um, you know, this is one of those things we always have trouble doing this over Twitch because like, how are we going to have you pick a specific card? Um, I'm going to start by shuffling. And I want you to think of a number, let's say between 10 and 40. Okay, between 10 and 40. All right, uh, let me cut those as well. And give me the number, say the number, I'm gonna deal down to that number and that'll be your card. 22. 22. It's a lot of counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. All right. Did that seem like a fair choice to you? It seemed absolutely fair to me. I couldn't it see. It seemed very fair. fair. I shuffled the cards. I cut the cards. I asked you for a number. I dealt down to that number. I put the card aside. This is your card. So... I'm going to ask you now why you felt that was fair because I'm going to point out all the ways it wasn't fair. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we were talking about influence and how it could look like mind reading. First of all, let, let's, let's take a look. Let's see what you got. Okay. You have a queen of spades. All right. I made a prediction. That prediction was that you would end up on the queen of spades. There we are. <laughs> Amazing. Now that can look like mind reading. That can look like a magic trick. That can look like any number of things. You thought it was a fair choice. Here's all the ways it wasn't a fair choice. First of all, uh, you didn't get to shuffle the cards. Second of all, I gave you a range of numbers to choose. I said between 10 and 40. So that immediately further restricts you from 52 cards down to... Uh, what would that be? About 30. Yeah. Right? So we're, we're constraining your choices. And so there's a number of other things uh, <laughs> that I could explain about how we can get this down to the point where we can get right to Queen of Spades. 
But the uh, I would also point out the fact that we're even using cards. It's true. Is something that I chose and you didn't choose. Because even just choosing cards means it's one in 52, right? If mind reading were a thing, I wouldn't need to be restricted to one in 52 or one in 30, or in this case to uh, one in one. There it is. <laughs> because again, you didn't get to see the cards. I didn't show you the cards. These are all the ways in which, uh, in this case, I could influence you perfectly absolutely to choose the queen of spades right fantastic they were all the now queen of spades, that said <laughs> well that said though this is a very um this is a very broad demonstration of influence we could also talk about things like neuro-linguistic programming which is um saying things to somebody that gets them to choose specific things we have been having a conversation for almost four hours Wow, yeah. And in that course of time, I have done a lot of talking. I've put a lot of ideas in your head, and you've put a lot of ideas into mine. But if influence were a thing, it would certainly be possible that maybe, just maybe, I'd be influencing you on a far subtler level than this, oh, which wow. is why, um, if you were here, I would give you this sealed envelope. Oh, boy. Uh, this is in fact a sealed envelope. It looks sealed. I see a wax seal on it. Yeah, there's even a wax seal. This is the uh, symbol I use all the time. I've have used for years. It's it's a doubt point. It yeah. was um, alternative um, punctuation uh, that was proposed by a Frenchman in the '60s to indicate doubt in a statement. Wow which i use uh for many reasons that's why on discord you're the nexus of doubt fantastic so i think you can see uh inside the sealed envelope there is one business card yeah i do see a business card and if we tip that business card out if we can we have to pull it out there's nothing else in here okay apparently that uh there's <laughs> some random piece of cardboard in there, but <laughs> so this, uh, this was one in 52, but really one in 30, but really one in one. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of any word that you could have said, <laughs> if I could have influenced you to say popsicle, there it is. Popsicle. <laughs> I, yeah. was, I must've been influenced to say popsicle. It only takes four hours of conversation to get you to say popsicle. We got there. There's the, and we, and like, it's the, it's the trick within the trick within the trick on that one too, because we talked about this. Yeah. And that's so awesome. Yeah. That is so awesome. Wow. There's some applause. Put popsicle right up there. Now, but, wow. uh, yeah, it's the lesson. It's the lesson outside of the lesson. So. Wow. That was fantastic. Thank you so much, Jack. Man, sure and thank you for this great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being so generous with your time on this too. I mean, I, I mean, I enjoyed every minute of it. I really appreciate you just listening to me yammer for <laughs> almost four hours. Oh, I'm happy to hear your story and some of it because it, it is really interesting. And I think, honestly, I do feel like 
I hope that people get something out of it or whatnot. I know I get something out of it at the very least. So yeah. we are we are going in that direction. So no, I, I'm very very happy That's to have had the conversation. I appreciate it. I I can't wait till your next stream. I I say this in my streams all the time. Everybody follow Infozar. It's uh, Info <laughs> X C Z A R or Z. If you're and now uh, we know why. Yeah, now we know exactly why. And uh, go be influenced to say popsicle. After a four, yep. literally, that's it. This is taking things too far. That's four hours of conversation. It's taking for things too far. It's what we do. It's what we do. <laughs> we love it. I, I had a great time. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for for sharing some of your magic as well. Uh, I for appreciate sure. that. Yeah, and just uh, being who you are, man. I appreciate it. And really, I'm looking forward to the the next stream. And oh, thanks for jumping into my streams too. I appreciate it. So. Oh yeah, heck yeah. No, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be in there. I always have a good time in there. Uh, Every time I have to miss it, I'm always. I'm always angry. <laughs> that shocks me. I don't understand. It shocks me. I don't I, understand. I, one time, I mean, it was a few weeks ago. And again, I missed it because I was at a live thing with people. Awesome. And I'm like, I, I, yeah, I, I made the, it wasn't even that I made a decision, but had it been a decision, it would have been the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> I missed, I missed a Sci Friday. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. Well, again, thank you so much. I had a great time. I, I really appreciate it. You are uh, welcome on this podcast anytime you want. If ever you have things awesome. you need to to say to people that can't be said on Twitch for some reason, <laughs> uh, feel, <laughs> feel free. Uh, you know, I, I really had a good time. So uh, look, I'm going to shut this hey, thing down because that. I never really know how to, to, to end it. So it's kind of just like we're ending it. <laughs> so thank That's you cool. and ciao, ciao. There's, there's, um, what, what the heck is it? There's a TV show that I love, Solar Opposites. There's an episode, it's a, it's an animated thing by the same people, uh, who did Rick and Morty. Hmm. And one episode, the lead alien becomes a magician. Oh. And, uh, he's performing on stage. He has no stage presence or anything. He finishes the thing and he just says, end of trick. <laughs> and I, I love that. All right. I, I feel like that's it. End of trick. Okay. Well, then. End of trick. <laughs>